Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 90 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another wacky Wednesday? Hope everybody's... uh, Doing well, and uh, your work week's going okay, and you're staying safe, and all that stuff. Uh, as the weather turns here, uh, the snow is slowly melting here in Saskatchewan. I am so happy. Then um, they're talking about plus temperatures the rest of the way, and double-digit temperatures by the weekend. So uh, I think I'm going to be putting on shorts, and that makes me very happy. Maybe not for the rest of the world to see these pasty white legs, but I'm... I'm officially done with winter. I'm knocking on wood. But guys, today I have a special guest, Jared Dumba. Uh, he had, he is an eight-year pro. He played major junior with the Saskatoon Blades, as well as junior A in the Saskatchewan and BC Junior Leagues. Um, I'm putting the cart before the horse here because I have not interviewed Jared yet. Uh, I'm actually doing that tonight, and then I have to quickly submit that to the network to have it out here for Wednesday morning for you guys. So I'm doing the intro now, and I'm going to assume that this is what we're going to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about it because it's my show, I guess. So, um, but Jared um, actually was was quite a talented scorer and a point a game player in the as a pro, and um, so he was far from an enforcer. Um, but I thought today's show uh, would be a little different in the fact that um, you know, and I mean, Jared would mix it up now and again. I mean, it wasn't like he was, you know. Uh, you know, cupcake or anything. He wasn't a Lady Bing guy, but uh, um, I, I'd like to get his perspective on the enforcer role. Um, he and I had talked quite a bit uh, lately, uh, privately, just on social media, and uh, he was a teammate of Marco Cefalo, past guest. Um, and we were just kind of talking about that and everything else, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, I can't remember what was said, but I was like, hey, you should we get you on the show. Um it would just be like to get a perspective from like a first line guy, what uh, Marco and Wade Brookbank and those type of guys brought to the team and uh, that. And I think Jared will have some good stories with some guys he played with over the years. Um, you know, Leon DeLorme, uh, Jeff Nabseth, you know, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm definitely going to bring, bringing that up. Um, yeah. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this talk. So um, yeah, but uh, you know, like I said, uh, I, I think it'll 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 be a different look at the, at the at the role. Like I said, mo- obviously all my my shows are, you know, I'm interviewing the tough guys. Now it uh, you know we're gonna kind of look from the from the first line and what the, what what he sees. And uh, I'm also gonna ask him. I know his dad is the uh, I believe play by play with the Regina Pats, and uh, Jared is like they team up sometimes. I know he's in the booth sometimes. Um, 
I just want to ask him about, uh, you know, how the league has changed over the years from when he was playing in the, in the nineties. And, uh, yeah, we'll do all that stuff. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. But, uh, before we get going into that, um, again, hockey podcast network, there's 55 shows on the network. Um, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, uh, check it out. There's a show for you. Probably a couple might, depends on what team you cheer for. There could be multiple shows for you. Um, but yeah, so those guys, of course, with the season going on, they're busy, uh, you know, banging out content every week. And uh, myself, Terry Ryan, Brad Lieb, we're over on the original content side of things. Um, yeah, I believe I just saw that uh, Terry had uh, had Frank Bannum on. Was it last week or something? I, Frank Bannum, uh, 89 snipes one year with the Saskatoon Blades. Him and Mark DL were awesome that year with the Blades. Um, and actually, I, I ended up... Uh, he was, we were at a uh, golf course. Um, oh, the name is escaping me. What? Uh, I just drew a complete blank on the golf course here in town. Um, but he was just sort of, uh, he was on his own. And he uh, he joined our, our, well, we had three guys. So, yeah, so uh, he joined our threesome. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, good dude. We had a lot of fun on that. Actually, it was a fun round um, with uh, Frank. And uh, I know he played some brief time in the NHL, but I meant 89 snipes in junior and like, you know, you can't find a gig in the NHL. I don't know what the deal was. I know he wasn't overly big, but I mean, you know, and I, he put up decent numbers in the minors. I don't know. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, I had a chance to listen to Terry's episode with him, but uh, you know, I just want to hear, maybe they'll talk about it and I just get uh, Frank's take on things. But uh, yeah, as a, as a blade and uh, watching them play, um, yeah. He, he was a hell of a player, but, um, yeah. And then, but for, and then for my off network friends, uh, of course, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, he's an Islander enforcer based podcast. He's had, uh, you know, Dean Ewan, Mick Fakota, Jason Strudwig, Eric Bolton on, um, right now we're in the midst of the Trevor Gillies marathon. Um, they have done three episodes so far. Um, I did not check to see if Joe released episode four this week this week at yet um i don't think so i would have saw it on my i would have saw it on my timeline i think but yeah but uh that is coming obviously and uh yeah outstanding interview with trevor uh trevor's a great guest joe's a great interviewer um <clears throat> joe's been around joe's older than me that tells you how old he is yeah you know he was he sold when joe was young they saw him black and white that's how joe that's how old joe was but uh, you know Social security number seven, but, uh, all right. We've got some Rodney Dangerfield here. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) but, uh, I'm not, I'm not far behind Joe. I'm catching up to him. In fact, um, but Joe does a great job and, uh, and he's been around the, uh, you know, the business. He did the tough guys magazine, um, did some stuff with Stan Fisher for those bad boys books. Uh, yeah, I've been reading, well, people listen to this show, uh, We've been reading Joe Lazito stuff for a long time, so uh, no, Joe Joe is always uh, uh, does a great show, and uh, definitely check out his back catalog. Um, also, well, I don't know. Do I include Five for Fighting? I like I like I said, fart in a blanket. I don't know if he's coming or going or up or down or what's happening. Now he's making a comeback. I don't know what's what's going on. I don't know. I think he was more. I think he was frustrated with the. With the enforcer group, and he wanted to rant about something, and he was mad he didn't have a he didn't have a show going, uh, you know. 
So, which I could, I can completely get behind that uh, mentality about yelling and screaming. The enforcer appreciation group, or, or just social media in general, um, can <laughs> is never ending uh, material to use. But, uh, but nonetheless, <clears throat> his platform is still up, and regardless if he has a new episode or not. Um, Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast does a great job. His back catalog is tremendous. Bylois, Zagroy, Yablonski, Rob Ray, on and on. He had great guests, um, you know, and did a great job. And uh, so definitely check out his back catalog. And then, of course, Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot Hockey Show and Dan, Paul, and Kelly at the Obey the Puck Show. There are two current shows that cover the NHL as well as the, uh, the latest happenings in the minors and in the women's hockey. And, uh, like I say, I appreciate those shows because I listen to them, so I don't have to watch. And, uh, thank you guys. But they're nice people, and I dig them. So if you, uh, if you like that current hockey, those are the shows to listen to. But, other than that, guys, I will, uh, like I said, this is episode 90. Man, that's, that's hard to believe, 90. So I, I, please, I encourage you to go back, check out the back 89 episodes um, my latest episode, while it was a Sunday rant, uh, ranting and raving about Lucic versus Neely and uh, people living in the past, which I've been accused of many times, but I look like a, a progressive forward thinker compared to some of these jokers. Um, and then, but episode uh, 88 uh, was with Jordan Clark, uh, which is a really fun talk. Uh, you know, five-year WHL veteran, fought everybody. Colt Moore multiple times, Matt Summerfeld, Randy Ponte, and Jordan told some great stories about being coached by Kevin McClellan and Prince Albert, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, and then before that was Marco Cefalo, and every Wednesday is an interview episode, uh, whether it be with an ex-player or um, a fellow fight fan or what have you, <clears throat> and then Sunday is Shit Show Sunday, a rant episode, whatever you want to call it, throw it against the wall, let's see what sticks. Um, where I rant about goings-ons and what's happening, and usually I'm ranting about some idiocy on social media, and uh, I don't know, or then I'll find an old article or something like that, and we'll we'll talk about things, but, uh, you know, but, uh, so, and they're a little shorter episodes, they're about 45 minutes to an hour, um, usually my interviews, my interview shows, hour and a half, two hours, depends, two and a half sometimes, uh, you know, it's like, hey, the guest wants to keep talking, I'll, we'll keep recording. So, um, but yeah, that's how we do it around here. And, uh, so check me out, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as Facebook. I have a, it's, uh, but it's F O U R, you know, it's spelt out on Facebook, not the number. That's the number on Twitter. Um, did that just make sense what I said? I mean, you'll find it. I mean, come on. But yeah, I have a I have a show Facebook page as well. I've done I've had that up for about a month now, a uh, month and a half, and uh, it's been great actually. Um, that I mean I hate Facebook, but but uh, I hate social media in general. But I mean when you're a, a smaller show, obviously I have to use that. That's my vehicle to advertise. So that's kind of what I've been doing on Facebook. Um, you know, trying to make contact with people, guests. Uh, you know. And, uh, yeah, and at the same time, post my videos and my pictures and what have you. So, um, I'm going to, you know, and then with the enforcer appreciation group that I was saying before, Alec, uh, runs that, um, yeah, like 13, 14,000 members is ridiculous how many members are in there. And, uh, yeah, as much as I loathe some of the members, uh, most of the guys are really good and the, and the topics are fun and, uh, 
like I said, there's no message boards anymore, so this has become the kind of the new fight message board um, or you know territory. So def- definitely check that out. Um, also, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I can't stress this enough. 2,500 videos from junior to pro. Whatever league you're looking for, I got them all sorted. Just go to the little search engine, WHL, OHL, NHL, whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. Um, actually, I will be t- some of the guys that uh, Jared and I will be talking about, I have videos of. Including Jeff Nabseth and that type. With some, I have some South Surrey fights. I do have from that year that we will, the years that we will be talking about, and uh, I will be bringing that up with Jared on the show. So if you want to follow along, check it out. You know, Brandon Fleener and Chilliwack, Bobby Henderson, Jason Williamson. Yeah, lot, lots of tough dudes out in the BC League. Adam Reed, and uh, so yeah, I know there might be some foreign names to you now, but check YouTube out and uh, make educate. Get an education. Come sit under the learning tree, as they say. And uh, But yes, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. If that's not your thing and you want to just check out Bob Probert and Tony Twist fights, I got those two. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, please, guys, I know I'm asking a lot. Do this, do that, do that. But um, I'm on all the major platforms. Obviously, this is how you're listening to the show. If you could rate and review my show, it helps me out um, uh, in the searches. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. And, uh, that would be really cool. Pardon me. And, uh, yeah. Other than that, I'm just, I'm going to stop telling you what to do. <laughs> You're too did to hear Jared. You don't want to hear, listen to me. Um, but I will, uh, I'll be back on Sunday to yell and rant and rave about things. So definitely come back and check that out. In the meantime, please enjoy this, uh, talk with Jared Dumba and, uh, we'll talk to you guys Sunday. Thanks everybody. All right. Here on the fourth line voice, I have, uh, 10 year pro. Played in the Western Hockey League, played Junior A, Saskatchewan League, BC, and uh, otherwise known as, uh, I heard he's called the the magician of the uh, Highway Hockey League, <laughs> or the Coppell Valley League, uh, uh, putting up some sweet numbers down there, but on the line, Jared Dumba. Jared, how you doing? The QBC, how you doing, brother? All right. <laughs> yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, the QBC. What a had some fun there. Well, I thought you. I thought you. Uh, it looked like you. Would you leave? Uh, was it uh, Port Huron for the for the for the calling of the, high, of the highway hockey league? But we'll uh, of the highway. Yeah, Flint. Flint actually. Even oh, Flint. More beautiful than uh, than Port Huron. Yeah. yeah pardon me. Not, not oh the no. Nicest, not. Not the nicest city. Flint, yes, for Berthune. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into all that, but uh, well, first I gotta uh, I gotta kind of qualify this because normally, of course, I always have the tough guys on, you know, the cement mixers, the bricklayers. That's usually who I have on the show. But you were a first line player. But I we had talked on social media privately about this, and it was like I wanted to get. Um, your perspective as a first line guy, and I mean, and you did some fighting too. It wasn't like you were up for any, you weren't you weren't winning any Lady Bing trophies or anything. We're not saying that, but that obviously wasn't your role <laughs> as a fighter. But uh, you mixed not it up a few times. But uh, but I know you played with a lot of tough dudes, and uh, so as well, we kind of go through your career, let's talk about a few of these guys. Lots of tough guys. It's yeah. Every team, uh, everywhere I went, it seemed that we we seemed to have like one of the toughest guys in the league, or or both. Uh, got really lucky, especially in that era when when you really needed a couple tough guys. Otherwise, uh, first and se- first and second liners, you get beat up. I did play in a couple teams without tough guys. 
man, those were long years, real long years. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, well, yeah, you yeah, the Saskatoon, the Saskatoon team you played with the first year kind of reminds me of that. I was actually that was the first question I was going to ask you actually. But uh, before we get into that, uh, where'd you grow up and play your minor hockey? A uh, small town in Saskatchewan called Dysart. Uh, yeah, just played uh, played out there. We had a, uh, it was a it's a small town. There's about 150 people there, even less than that in the town. Uh, growing up and played all minor hockey there, and then moved uh, into the city uh, when I was 15 years old. My dad actually started uh, coaching the Regina Pats. Why we moved in and uh, ended up playing AAA with the Pats. Uh, with the Pack Canadians, sorry, and then moving on to the Saskatoon Blades, like you said. After the Blades, went to Notre Dame, and then after being in the SJ for a little bit, decided to go finish my 20-year-old year and end of my 19-year-old year in uh, Surrey, out in Surrey, BC. So that's uh, that was a that was a nice little nice place to play out there in Surrey. It was, and they sure treat you well. And then obviously on to pro after that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the old yeah, BC, absolutely God's country out there. But uh, oh man! But first things first. Ninety six, ninety seven. You're 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 donning the uh, the blue and yellow with the Saskatoon Blades, and um, yep. And uh, back then, man, the even just in that division, I was kind of going through it, and I mean, there was some there was some tough dudes on every team. Um, but except oh yeah, Saskatoon, it was rare that year kind of didn't really have a heavyweight which was rare for the blades the blades always used to have really tough teams but i mean you guys had rample and phillips and ryan bonnie and sarich and sheldon the jelski i mean it wasn't like you know you had you know a bunch of pussies or anything but you guys didn't really have that big that big heavyweight did you uh no you know no i mean we had uh we had there was a little bit of team toughness but uh as you and I have, uh, as you said before, uh, team toughness uh, usually means no toughness. <laughs> but uh, we, I mean, we had a little bit of toughness. But uh, uh, like Phillips, when when Rocky Thompson was coming after guys, Greg Phillips was having to step in. You know, it wasn't. Uh, we didn't have that uh, that big that big fighter that was uh, just going to step up and, and rally the troops. Even, you know, when you have, uh, when you get a guy like, uh, like Rocky Thompson on your team, who was in the league, uh, you know, if the team's down a guy like that just goes out, gets in a fight and it just turns all the momentum. We didn't even have that. <clears throat> and we didn't have uh, the most, uh, we didn't have the most skilled team. We were, we were a little bit, a uh, little bit of a younger team. So it was, uh, it was a rough go that year. Boy, we had, uh, and Donnie Clark, uh, God rest his soul, was our coach. Great guy, but boy, did he run a tough practice. I think that was probably uh, the best shape of my life at the end of that year. We were doing two-hour practices uh, right up till the end of the year, every single day, starting with a 15-minute bag skate, ending with a 15-minute bag skate. It was, oh, it was a, it was a long year. <laughs> yeah, well, and just. Uh... And like I said, you just kind of even in that division. I'll just, for the, <coughs> pardon me, but for the listeners out there, you know, the Regina Pats had Jared Adams, Josh Dobbin, and Kyle Friedrich. Moose Jaw's got Reed Lowe. Prince Albert's got Jacobs and Brunel, Trevor Baker, 
the uh, former guest, Marco Cefalo. You know, Swift Current, like you said, has Rocky, Derek Arbez. You know, Kelowna's out there with Parker. I mean, they weren't in your division, but I just had to throw Scott Parker in the league as well. So, I oh, mean, you know, it um, as, as a young guy coming into the league, um, how intimidating was that, though? Oh, man. Uh, well, some of the guys, uh, I'll, t- I'll say this, Rocky Thompson, how tough and crazy he is. And look, he was the biggest gentleman on the ice. I... I went into the corner uh, first time I played against him. I think he was still in medicine. Uh, yeah, I think he was in medicine hat. And uh, I went into the corner. Guy kind of hit me from behind a little bit. I threw a big elbow back. I don't know why I always threw elbows. But uh, I threw an elbow back at him, caught him right in the cheek, and I turned around. Sure, shit, it's Rocky. I'm like, oh, God. He grabs me. He goes, how old are you? I said, 17. He goes, okay, you get one. And then he kind of threw, she kind of threw me up against the boards and took off. I was like, "Ooh, that's uh, that was that was kind of nice. I like that." Okay, one, I'll be sure not to do that again, Mister Thompson. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, but then it wasn't so nice. Sometimes there was other guys named uh, Dell Purrington on the ice, yep. and uh, if you went within fifteen feet of him, just like it didn't matter if it was. You know, if you skated anywhere near him, even if the play wasn't on, he was going to hack you and make you make you pay. You didn't want to go anywhere near that guy's corner. You had so much respect for guys like that. But a guy like that just struck the fear of God in you because he, you know, you never. You, when's he? When's he just going to lose it and 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 jump you? You know, and you're trying to you're out there trying to play hockey. And you, you know, you got to watch for that stuff. So that's why guys like that, obviously the most valuable guys you can have on your team in that area and even i mean even today yeah they're trying to go to you know all this you know finesse and skill but i think you lose a little bit of the finesse and skill when you don't have guys out there keeping guys honest you get guys running around like idiots taking liberties and just there's nobody policing the game it's impossible for the refs to police a game like hockey you you have to have enforcers I know, like myself, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't really want to, everybody says, oh, I, I wish I could play, you know, everybody that used to play, oh, I wish I could play in today's game, I'd be so different, and I'd be way better, and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't even know if I'd want to play in today's game, how so many injuries now, and how high-flying it is with no, nobody to, nobody to kind of keep everybody in check. That was, uh, I don't know, that was the funnest part of the game. Even when guys were doing it on the other team, two guys on your team sometimes you liked it because you go and you know if somebody's being a little bit of an idiot you don't want everything to get out of hand you know kind of keeps the keeps everything in line in order so it's uh i don't know it's a completely different game today uh, it's it's very exciting great highlights stuff like that but uh the like the heart and the soul the 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 battle of the game is is gone like the war the war yeah, kind of that that warrior spirit of that you know the grind. It's just kind of it's a, it's still a grind. Obviously, lots of guys are tough and they hit hit hard. There's still fights and stuff like that. But it's just it's kind of different than than the old days. You know? No, absolutely. And uh, yeah, no, I I agree with you for hundred percent. But uh, 
But yeah, I know there's a story. It's funny doing the uh, research for this for our interview here. I kind of went back and uh, you know I, I did the Google the Google search of Dumba, and uh, yeah, you know I read read a few articles, and I know one of the articles you had talked about uh, the the blades kind of wanting you to be come an enforcer and obviously you were resistant to this um did you actually think about it or was it just like no that's not happening well see when i came in the thing is like i came in and i was just always a goal scorer always uh you know what the top usually the top goal scorer on the team or most points on the team i think i even i think i had i was first or second on the team in triple a and then you know, you come in and, and in camp, I think I was second on the team in scoring in camp. And then you get in and you've never, ever, never been asked, never even, you know, only been in a, probably two fights before that on the ice. And then, uh, you know, coach calls you in and yeah, just wanted me to be a fighter. I think you should be a fighter. I think you should just not worry about scoring goals and, and I think you should uh, start fighting. I was like, well, not really what I'm, what I wanted to do, you know. I kind of wanted to, kind of like playing. <laughs> yeah. And but yeah, yeah, he wanted, and I just was kind of. He then he just kind of said, well, you know, if you uh, if you start fighting more, you'll you'll get more ice time. And then gotten uh, gotten a fight right away, obviously, and uh, got a little bit more ice time, and then. Trying, tried to play, wasn't fighting enough, often enough, and for for him, and uh, yeah, one thing led to another. But I don't know. I was just never. I didn't. I never. I didn't mind fighting. I didn't like it. I like the. I like pissing guys off more than I liked fighting. <laughs> <laughs> like like Marco says, hating the guys that he just despised the guys that just wouldn't drop the gloves. I would not drop the gloves on purpose. For for that reason, with guys like Marco, just to piss him off. But then you get a good guy like Donnie Margetti. Like I fought him like four or five times. Uh, he's uh, you know you get uh, if they're if they're right, if it's the right tough guy. But sometimes it's fun being the guy that's just being the pest out there too. <laughs> uh, like so. The following year, I mean, you, you know, you played a couple games there in Saskatoon, and then, and then you were, uh, you know, sent down to uh, um, Notre Dame of, of the SJHL, um, where you end yeah. up putting up yeah. leading the team and scoring with seventy five points, and and uh, well, you had one hundred and seventy two pims too, so it wasn't like you were shying away from anything. But um, no, is there anything? Is there? Is, did you regret though? If you're looking back, I mean, regret's such a loaded word, but I mean, do you sometimes think now nah, maybe I should have fought more, or were you happy with the with the decision? Uh, yeah, you know what? Sometimes you go, well, you know what? Well, I think it's it's more of you're so young, you don't understand. Yeah. So you think that when they say that, that all they want you to do is just only fight and never do anything else. You know, I think more what they're trying to do is just break you out of your shell. But they don't really, you know, it's mind games. They don't really say that, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, some, sometimes like, well, I wish I would have understood that if I just would have went and acted like an idiot for five games and then and just said, you know what, I'll just fight everybody for five games and not worry about it, and then I'll get right back to it. The coach probably would have had me in playing, just giving me ice time for whatever. 
you know but it's it's more of a kind of not understanding type of thing uh of you know what you what you should have done and when you're that age too you're you know you're you're so sure yourself you think you're gonna everybody thinks they're gonna make the nhl for sure and you're just going well you know forget this guy if that's what he thinks i don't care i'm just go i'll just go play somewhere else and you know show him there but uh as we know that ends up not being a very good attitude <laughs> yeah well so you can't do that you can't do that too often <laughs> well you get to notre dame and uh like i said you have you have a big year there but um yeah the old uh you know 97 98 it was uh jungle a for a reason and uh you know and and uh you know it will go through each of the the teams in that in the south division there that I'll throw some names out for the listeners. They'll know who I'm talking about. But let's just start at home here. We'll start in Notre Dame. And there's a character on your team named Leon Delorme who has 409 penalty minutes that year. <laughs> Do you got any stories, old Leon? Oh, um, Leon, he was one of the best guys. One of, Probably the biggest cheater I've ever seen at fighting. And didn't care. He just... You know, he was very open with it. <laughs> yeah, just a great guy. But everybody was doing it though. Yeah, uh, he was. But he came in. He came in, and then he kind of showed the other guys some tricks that they were doing it. But he, I remember, he had the Velcro on his on his uh, on his arms on his jersey, and he'd make sure that the Velcro wasn't gonna stick too tight. And he'd have as he'd be in there just vaselineing up his whole face and. He, I, I remember every fight he'd try and grab on. He'd grab onto the guy and he'd just whip right out of his equipment, so quick. He was he was the best at it. And then he'd he'd just be there, just shoulder pads on. And he just, you know, he he would have already ripped his his elbow pads out by before he fought the guy. He'd he'd uh, he'd uh, open up his sleeves there so he could get out. And man, he was uh, he was so tough. But he was one of those guys. He didn't. You know, he didn't win every fight, but uh, the ones he lost, he usually didn't go down. Or if he went down, he got back up again. That guy was so tough. I never saw him after the game complaining about being sore or anything like that. He was uh, that guy's a real warrior and, a, and an absolute beauty too of a guy. If you're gonna go partying, man, you might have to be. Well, you might want to watch yourself. Be a little careful, but. Uh, <laughs> You're, you're going to have a fun night if you're out with Leon, I can tell you that. I've heard some stories, yeah. About, I'm trying to round him up to get him on the show, but somebody said that might be easier said than done, too. But uh, he'd, have a few, he'd have a few stories for sure. But uh, Oh, my. I'm, but, sure he's, I'm sure he'd be loaded with stories, that guy. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know how many of them he could tell on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> probably get some good stuff out of him. <laughs> Well, like I said, he had 409 minutes, so it was like uh, some of the characters that he would have had a few run-ins with. Of course, Labret, uh, Sean Legault was in Labret. Um, Weyburn, oh, Weyburn's got Josh Dobbin. Um, Estevan Schlender, Chris Schultz. Um, of course, Melville has Wade Brookbank and Vince Pitt. Yorkton has Skihar. I mean, you know, these teams are loaded up here, and like every night's just oh. rumble. It was yeah. I mean, it was a jungle, and it was all the, and all those guys fought each other game after game after game. Like there was just uh, it was just a war, and they were fighting. Yeah, there was a, that league. It was oh, like I said, I never saw you know in the in the dub there wasn't any of the Vaseline stuff really that I had seen. Like maybe 
uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you'd hear about it a little bit, but as soon as you got down to junior A, it was, uh, yeah, the Vaseline was out, cutting the jerseys on the sleeves. Guys are, you know, putting shit, rolling shit on their knuckles, trying to get, I can't remember, I shouldn't say who it was, but trying to trying to uh, roll his knuckles with, uh, he had, I can't, it must have been Vaseline or something, trying to roll it in stones outside so you get a little bit, a couple of stones on his knuckle for the fight, and we're going, he's probably going to fall off in your glove, bud. But whatever, you know, any, adva- any advantage you can get, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was a fun league. We had a lot of, lot of fun, lots of good guys. And, I mean, on our team, too, I think the most one of the toughest guys in the league and uh, never saw him lose a fight was uh, Trent Ulmer uh, in uh, in Notre Dame. He and he fought Brooke, he fought every we fought Brooke Bank. I think he fought Cefalo. I'm not sure if he fought Cefalo or not. But uh, he's I, he fought pretty much every heavy every heavy in the league throughout uh, throughout his career. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, in the SJ, he's a he was a big boy too, farm boy. Yep. Well, that was the thing, right? Still Back a good buddy to this day. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing, right? Those those junior A leagues were just loaded up with small town farmers that were just there to, you know, let, let get into their get into their couple fights and let's go drink beer after. That was their thing, right? And then off to the farm yeah. as a twenty year old, right? That was just it back then, right? And uh, yeah, oh yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, there were some tough dudes floating around, but. Also in that in that time frame, just so we won't go completely uh, goon central here, but there was a few dudes that made the NHL that year from from that from that year. Uh, Ruslan Fedotenko, Chris Kunins, um, Mark Hardigan, um, you know, were all in the league as well. So yeah, there was a lot of skill. Yeah, a lot of skill in that league too. Oh, absolutely, lots of scholarships out of the SJ and stuff. I mean, it's great league and been around forever and uh and actually when you go through the alumni of the sjhl you know not only obviously is there skilled guys you know brindamore prop and all them but i mean yeah joey coaster and dave brown and lots of toughness went through that league too so yeah oh yeah that's just uh tradition tradition i mean i mean sass it's uh you know that's why it's western boys man that's when you get down when you get down south uh, to play pro, it doesn't matter if you're a scorer or whatever. If you're if you're if you're from Saskatchewan, everybody knows you're tough. They they know you they know you can drink, and they know that you're tough. Especially if you're from uh, from uh, our area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the drinking part. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, the following year, you played half the season in Notre Dame. And then, uh, like you said, it's off to the Okanagan. Uh, What made you leave to go to BC? Uh, The coach was uh, Mike Lukowski. I knew Mike my whole life. Him and my dad played with the Pats together and and uh, stuff like that. And uh, he was a little different coach. He was uh, he was a grinder when he played, and he just wanted everybody to dump and chase and this and that. And he actually pulled me aside one day and he said, uh, "Hey, when you go play pro." you're never going to be able to be a scorer. I'm just letting you know. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you. I'm going to put you on the third line, take you off the power play, and I'm going to show you how to be a grinder. And I said, uh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, <laughs> trade me trade me right now, please. 
Yeah. And he kind of, he was taken back, like, well, no, but this is how you're, he had it all planned out. This is how you're going to be able to play pro. I ended up breaking the rookie scoring record for points per game my first year. Uh, but, uh, so good thing I didn't stay and be a grinder. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was kind of a weird thing. I was like, well, oh, you know, that's kind of weird. Coach just wants to, but I guess he thought he was helping. He thought, you know, he had it all planned out. This is the best, this is going to be the best thing for you, and I'm going to show you how to do it. So, I mean, his heart was in the right place, I guess. You know, I don't fall, I don't blame him. That's all he knew. That's what he wanted. But I said, no, thank you, and went out and went and played on a line with John McNabb and Tim McKeon, and that was the best thing that uh, that ever happened. I think I did just over a goal a game that year to end the year. Uh, well, yeah, 29 games. Yeah, you, had, you, well, you had 29 games. You had 28 goals, 29 assists. So, yeah, I think. Oh, uh, just one under. One yeah, under. Pretty, um, pretty good yeah, numbers. I thought it was one over. Well, you know, pretty solid, <laughs> yeah, pretty solid. The story was better the other way. Did yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, and here I went and wrecked it. got the internet, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um,. Well, and this is the thing, and it's interesting because, of course, you know, out in BC in the '90s, I, you know, I have to, I had to do uh, some research, and I was lucky enough to actually add some video of the South Surrey Eagles, uh, some fight DVDs from back then, and uh, one of the names that uh, I was told to talk about, and uh, having seen video of them for the folks out there, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, check this out, Jeff Nabseth. Jeff Nabseth is, uh, was one of the best guys, one of my best friends. Uh, he, oh man, he was, yeah, toughest guy I've ever seen in my life. He, I've never seen a guy, holy man, he could, he was so tough, such a good fighter, but he could also take a punch. Like, he could, I could, oh man. Marco Cefalo was one guy that uh, he, like, you had to hit him. Uh, and we always used to laugh because the other guy would always think he's winning. You'd get five or six, five or six punches in, but Marco would have to let the guy get like Marco. Just you know, Marco, he's so easy going. He would have to get mad, so he'd let the guy hit him a few times, and then he'd usually hit the guy once or twice, and and it would be over. Uh, but Marco could take a punch, but Naber, oh man, I saw him fight Brandon Fleener one time in Chilliwack. And something happened with his elbow pad, and he got his arm caught up, and he couldn't get it out the entire fight. Fight went on for, I think it, I think we timed it. It was like 38 seconds or something like that, right around 40 seconds. And it was pretty much whole, the whole thing, Fleener just teeing off on Naber. And Naber just standing there, and we're going, go down, go down. Everybody's yelling, and he's just standing there, and he's trying, and then his jersey gets over his head, and he's, taking him taking him he gets it off and takes him for a while then the refs finally get in comes back and that, this was in Chilliwack so in those days you had to go to go to the room you had to walk through the bench so Naber's coming on the bench and he's getting to the bench and you can just see cones starting to stick out of his forehead and around his face and it's just beet red and purple he comes starts walking on the bench he looks back he goes hey coach fucking guy throws pillows and he's dead serious he walks off the bench everybody just erupted i think we ended up i think we were 
we were down that game. We ended up storming back with a few quick goals. It was just like the biggest the biggest rush seeing a guy say that like just taking one for the team in the ultimate way and everybody all like we were feeling sorry for him we were like oh no oh you know it's your boy just watching him just get beat down and then he just comes like can't hurt me like fucking guy throws pillows he says (laughs) (laughs) but he was he was just the stories about that guy I could go on uh, two episodes on just stories he's told me and stories that we've had times we've had together, man. It was, uh, he was just a classic and just one of those guys that would do anything for you, you know, like, uh, like most guys, Brooker or Marco or those type of guys. But, uh, but man, yeah, just a great guy and ended up, uh, passing away, uh, got hit by a car training one morning early and uh yeah he was a daredevil so they said uh, his family and friends said guaranteed he was trying to beat the car across the road everybody just said they just knew it they they figured that that would that's probably what happened but uh and then in typical nabber fashion he got hit by a car that was going like 135 kilometers an hour something like something ridiculous i can't remember exactly but he uh they said he there's no way that he should have lived his body stayed alive for like two three days or something like that and they said there's no way that any human being should have been alive and it's just like yep that's that's never still had a tough time putting him down you know like just oh man one of the toughest that guy was that guy was the best yeah, he, um, you know, not being out there, I, I was just like I said, all I, my only, uh, uh, knowledge of him is through video and, uh, yeah, just seeing some of those tilts and that fight you're talking about with Fleener is on my YouTube channel. And, uh, well, and Brendan Fleener, I mean, there, that's no shrinking violet either. I mean, that's a bad dude right there. You know, oh. he, that guy's a monster and went on and played pro and, yeah, so to get teed off on yeah. by that dude, oh. <laughs> Fleener, Fleener was uh, Brookbank of the BC JHL. Yep. yep. It was it was the same thing. I went. I had Brooker there. Uh, well, he wasn't on my team. He was on Melville. But so you play against him, it's like you know that's the toughest guy in the league, like by far. You know, Marco, I guess, was there too. So wouldn't have been by far. Those I <laughs> Brooker always says the one. Uh, the one guy I never want to fight is Marco. I would love to see those two go at it. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, I totally lost my train of thought where I was going. Fleener. Where I was going with that. Fleener. Fleener. Oh, yeah, but Fleener. Fleener was the, uh, Fleener was the, uh, then the next year I go to the BCHL and there's Fleener and it's the same thing. Like nobody really even close to his weight class and Naber was. Naber would, Naber was the only guy, but like there was a couple, like there's some other real tough guys. But there was nobody, if Fleener was fighting them, you know, you're, you're usually picking Fleener. The only time you wouldn't pick Fleener is if it was Naber, because Naber was the one wild card. Yep. He was just so tough. But if Fleener did beat him, eh, you knew it was still going to pump the team up anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, there's, yeah. yeah, that BC League, I mean, there's some tough dude, like you said, Fleener, and then, of course, you know, Chilliwack, you know, uh, Bobby Henderson, and Langley had Ryan Hallwig, yeah. and Bur- Burnaby, Ashley yeah. Langdon was running around out there, yeah. and, of course, I think he went to, I think they trade, Fleener, they think they traded Fleener for Langdon, I think, I know Langdon was in Chilliwack the next year, and, um, yeah, I can't remember how that went. Yeah, uh, Langdon, he he was a good guy too. I ended up playing a little bit with him. Yep, and he was uh, yeah he was he was a tough kid. And then he went down to San Diego, I believe. Yes, he did. After that, yep. Yeah, and he was uh, he. I heard he was uh, making some hay there, uh, turning some heads. <laughs> oh yeah, down there, you know, five hundred minutes yep. down there, and played in the Quebec League, and oh yeah, character. Oh uh, man. Uh, uh, he was a character for sure. Yeah, <laughs> great yeah. guy. Like, the, all the fighters, just great guys. Yeah, yeah that's, no. that's the one consistent with all the fighters, and they all they all like to party for some reason. They're <laughs> all good to party with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, your second year in South Surrey, there's a couple of guys, a couple more guys I want to ask you about. Of course, you you lit 119 points that year, not too shabby, leading the league, um, but. Going not, through, not bad. No shit, pretty good. Um, for, for for a third line guy, not bad <laughs> for a grinder. <laughs> yeah, not bad, eh? <laughs> but uh, watching that fight DVD, um, there was some dudes that uh, Van Norstrand, Brendan Hutchinson, and their Kyle yeah. uh, Koharski. That dude's all over that fight hard. DVD. The guy played like 19, oh. 19 games, hundred minutes. He's ready to rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I forgot about I forgot about uh, Kaharski. Yeah, we had a tough team. We had a tough team uh, <clears throat> that year, and I believe Greg Zanin was on our team as well. Yep. Yeah, uh, he played, and uh, and he was man. He was the best hitter in the league, probably. So he was. He didn't fight a lot. He did a few times. He wasn't known as a as a big fighter. He was a great demon, obviously playing in the NHL. But uh, but yeah, he was tough. He was. So we had a we had guys that could that could fight. And uh, the other guy was uh, was. Uh, did you? Who was the second guy you mentioned? Uh, Brendan Hutchinson. Brendan, yeah, Brendan Hutchinson, and then sorry, the third guy, the next guy. Oh, uh, and, Van Norstrand, Jesse Van Norstrand. Van, yeah, Van Norstrand. Yeah, man, we had some, we had some tough guys, and then it was the year before that was uh, Sean Wetterburn. You see that name for? Yeah, Sean Wetterburn was a real skinny guy, and he was a real good player. He played on the. He he could have played on anybody's first line, but I think he played second line. And he was a he was a great guy too. But man, he had some fights where he uh, he would he would uh, either draw the fight or he'd absolutely pump the guy. It seemed every time, and he fought some real real tough guys. But Surrey was always uh, Surrey was always good for making sure that they brought in a good mix of, uh, of tough guys who could who could also play. And then they'd always uh, look for a, a, a nabber, a nabseth. We had, uh, and Brian Nabseth came and played uh, the next year uh, after after Jeff was there, played a little bit with uh, with Brian. So, uh, but they were always, uh, yeah, always had good toughness in those teams. 
Yeah. Well, then the following year, uh, in the BC League, just the other team, uh, well, Chilliwack, like we said, had Ashley Langdon. They also had Garrett Strohshine, who was an absolute monster. I think that dude's about six foot oh, six. Yes. Yes. I forgot about him. He was, uh, yeah, he was a big monster. He could just string guys out. He was, uh, that was a guy that, uh, you know, he was actually pretty good. He was, uh, he was a guy that was, you know, had a, a lot of honor. He didn't go after, he never really went after the skilled guys or anything like that. Lots of guys would, but he didn't. But, uh, but when he fought, he, he was, uh, he was a tough, he was a tough guy. He brought a lot of honor to the ice, if I, uh, recall correctly. Yeah. And then, uh, Burnaby had Paul Gustad, who went on and played for the Buffalo Sabres. And, uh, yeah. Ken Tickton had Michael Linick and Adam Reed. Um, I saw a lot of Adam Reed. He's a smaller guy, but wasn't afraid. To, I think he had like 300 minutes. And, uh, and of course, Vernon had yeah, Corey Davison and Jess and J- Jason Williamson, who were tough dudes as well. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> there was a lot of toughness. Uh, there was, uh, you know what? I was surprised when I got out to that league because when you're in the SJ, all you're hearing is that it's, uh, you know, it's not tough out there. It's not tough. It's more, it's all skill. You know, and then you look at the scholarships, and they're getting quite a few more scholarships. So then they got out there, and I was like, "Holy man, there's uh, there's as many guys out this way for sure as there as there is a west, or, or sorry, in uh, uh, in Saskatchewan in the SJ." But there was uh, it was a, it was quite a tough league. It was a, one of those things. And back at that time, though, you know, that was the type of hockey it was. There was lots of tough guys around. It's uh, thinking back now when you're naming all these names, I'm going, holy man! Like I'm, I'm comparing them in my head quickly to the teams now. I'm thinking, man, there's some teams that could use some guys like these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's a, the league needs a few Brandon Fleeners for sure. Um, oh man, uh, that's actually that was going to be one of that was one of my questions. You're reading my notes here. I was going to ask you what the difference that you felt between BC and Saskatchewan was. Yeah, well, you know what the the difference was. Saskatchewan was a dump and chase grind league. All the coaches were seemed to I don't know. It just see not all the coaches. I shouldn't say that. You know, Weyburn they wouldn't do that. They would uh, they'd win the cup. They had uh, it seemed to be a little more rounded systems and stuff like that. But uh, it was more of a dump and chase league. <clears throat> uh, lots of lots. Of, it was a I don't know. Probably a little bit more hitting. But in the BCJ, I just noticed it was a little bit, uh, I don't know, it seemed more like the Western League for yeah. some reason. Um, there was, I think it was a, a lot higher skill, I should say. I don't want to say that to anybody listening to the SJ go, wow, what the hell? But, uh, you know, I think it was uh, a lot more skill once you went there. And uh, I, the thing I liked is going around to the ranks, just the the show kind of that the league puts on and that all the teams put on the way that you're kind of treated out there. And I understand there's, you know, towns probably uh, and people around with a lot more money for stuff like that. But uh, it was real nice the way we were treated and, you know, just everything from uh, the meals that they give you and, and, you know, well, obviously the, the towns that you're going to are, are pretty nice and going to some islands and stuff like that, which, which makes it nice. But just even for like, Put the, the game day experience showing up, you know, with the game notes and just the, the production and everything like that. It was a little bit more Western League than than uh, than what the uh, the the SJHL was at the time. Yep. 
Well, uh, so your following year there, you you actually wrap up in South Surrey. You go out to Oklahoma and uh, play the nine yeah. regular season, and then in the, uh, a couple games in the playoffs. Um, what uh, what made you go to Oklahoma, and and, and well, what was you and what, what was your and what was your first impressions? Well, I uh, I had been called the year before. Uh, Doug Sauter asked if I wanted to come down there. Now I knew Doug since I was a, a little kid. Uh, my dad was always scouting with the Regina Pats and we lived out on a farm in Dysart and I would come in as a little kid and watch, you know, I would be so excited. And I remember, I'd always remember Doug cause he was the guy with the big mustache and he was coach, right? So you can't, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't mistake him, but he was always really, really nice to me. He'd always stop and talk after he was, you know, like one of the few, him and Graham tour, and, you know, they, those are the two guys that would always stop and talk to me. Even though I was, you know, eight, nine-year-old kid, ten-year-old kid, you, you still remember that stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, and then uh, ended up, he was coaching down in Oklahoma, so he said, uh, hey, you want to come play for me? And I thought, well, yeah, this is, of course. I would, like, this is a dream come true, pro hockey. It's, Doug's just the best guy ever. And, uh, you know, let's go down. And we ended up butting heads a little bit. We both have, uh, we both have, uh, strong personalities, it ter- turns out. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> he traded me once, but it was, uh, actually traded me twice. But, uh, he did trade back for me once. So, uh, so we, uh, but Doug's a good guy. I, I still actually keep in touch with him, uh, to this day. But, uh, that's kind of what drew me, drew me down there was, uh, going down to play for him and i heard all about the city and ten thousand fans in the seats and i was going okay well let's go see what hockey could be like in oklahoma so i flew down after the playoffs of one year i thought okay well this this could be okay and then you walk in you know i went i met all the guys brookbank and to follow and guys like that right and so you obviously the guys are amazing right away and then you could walk into the building at a great big building arena downtown it's not the one that they have that they uh that they built later but it was a beautiful uh arena called the myriad and uh you you could fit like thirteen thousand five hundred people i think seat arena and it was just loud and the crowd kind of sat right on top of you and first game i went there and skated out i was like holy man this is uh this is pretty next level and then the way that they treat you in oklahoma that's just it's uh think of like the ride i always tell people it's like the rough riders are treated here in regina you know people see them out there you know they're nice to them they're everybody wants to kind of talk to them and it was kind of it was kind of like that for a while it was uh it was it was nice the community that everybody watched everybody was kind of watching following hockey and and the community treated you real real well they had uh i mean geez the amount of free stuff we had from meals to groceries to steaks to you know golf courses to everything it was just they really took care of you there southern hospitality at its finest no absolutely and uh well like you said you you, you picked up six points in the nine right games when you first got down there and uh but the following year of course you guys you get 75 points you have a hell of a year and you guys win the championship uh, so really, yep. your, your first year pro, like your first full season of pro, you win the championship, you know, 75 points. you got to be thinking, this shit's pretty easy. <laughs> I think we were all kind of thinking that. We were all kind of young, brash, cocky guys. We didn't really, we were just having fun. and 
we didn't really know we weren't supposed to win. We, uh, I think after, uh, and then never won a championship again after that and realized how, how tough it was. But we, we just had such a great team, uh, such a good group of guys. Like it wasn't, uh, if, uh, I don't know, man, I like that year just kind of changed what I thought you need for a team. If you can find all guys that are just like best friends that just absolutely love each other, like we, I swear to God, we probably would have lost two rounds early, but we did not want to have to leave each other. We were like, no, we, ah, I just can't, let's just extend this. We were partying, we were having fun, we were, we were around town. It was like, oh man, it was like we were rock stars in that city. It was awesome. And we were just, man, the guy, such good guys. We just, uh, everybody pulled together, did whatever we had to do to win. Didn't matter. Somebody, we were, everybody was stepping up for each other. And it was, uh, it was, I don't know, that was my best year of hockey by far. Maybe my best year of life. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Just being young and away, you know, out of the country for the first time and you're in a big city and everybody's treating you real well and, it was uh, it was just awesome, and then you get to do that with a bunch of guys who are all. The, and uh, you know, I listened to your podcast with Marco, and he kind of mentioned you know a bunch of guys. It was a bunch of guys that kind of were familiar with each other. I think he said, "Yeah." Uh, and we all knew each other from uh, you know. I used to go hang out with Marco under the stands and have a chew before games, <laughs> and in uh, in Esteban. And we go, we just go, you know, shoot the shit, talking about uh, getting sent down from the dub because we'd both just been sent down from the dub, and we go laugh. And you know, he's a, he's a great guy, so I knew him a little bit, and I knew Dave Shields a little bit. Didn't really know Brooker too much, but had some familiarity, like he said. So then you get down there, and we all just became best friends in first week. You know, it was uh, and going through the same stuff as young guys together. And, it was uh, to be able to do that and win a championship with all your best friends. Like these are guys that still uh, any one of them could knock on my door today and say, "Hey, I uh, I need to stay here for the year." And yeah, one hundred percent. And I know I could probably go to uh, any one of their houses and do the same, and it wouldn't even be a question. You know, it's just that type of that type of guy, those type of guys. And it was uh, that's what it takes to win a championship. I think. It's, uh, you got to be tight. You got to want to not leave. You want to. You got to want to keep the party going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, well, that's what the guys said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said, we're just you know you're, you're looking at the at the roster and everybody's you know tons of Saskatchewan guys and you're all twenty, twenty one, twenty two. So like you said, you're all sort of well. And then you got then you got old man Joe Burton there at thirty three. But uh, you know leading yeah. the leading the way with fifty snipes. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Marty was good. Oh, yeah. And you get Marty Standish and her, you know, Hardy Sauter and, you know, and, and all those guys. And, uh, yeah. So it's like you said, you're all sort of experiencing it together for the first time. Yeah. And it was the right mix of, uh, like I said, a bunch of young guys that, that didn't know we weren't supposed to win yet, uh, mixed with a bunch of old guys, the older guys that were in their last year or two of their career and they were going okay let's make a run and then they told us all year long they just said hey we just love playing with you guys you guys have just kind of reinvigorated us because we were just you know it's just a bunch of young immature kids basically you know laughing at the rink every day 
showing up hung over half the time but still working hard and putting in all the work and it's coming together and you know it was uh they just uh, <laughs> i remember hardy Sauter used to say this is the best i get to live vicariously through all of you guys and and it just kind of re- reinvigorated the old guys and and they had all the experience and they could they could walk us through and we just respected the hell out of every one of them loved all, every one of them they were such great guys hardy and Guy Girard and Joe Burden and Chris Dashney and we just took everything they said to heart and and we all worked together and there's you know no egos on that team everybody just wanted to work together and it was awesome man it was uh yeah best year ever yeah and uh well and like you said and it was certainly wasn't a, a soft team by any means you know when you got Marco no. and Brookbank there and Tyler Fleck and uh you know, yeah. uh, uh, Josh Dobbin there briefly. And uh, I mean, you had, uh, well, and one of the characters, uh, that you talked, we talked about off air, and you got to tell the story again for the listeners because that was really good. Um, and Cefalo, Marco briefly talked about him, uh, was Willie Mason that had oh, come down yeah. and played a few games. T- here, tell, tell the story yeah. that you told me with the football guy. Oh, uh, so it, we were playing, uh, I believe it was Laredo. And they were uh, a little bit uh, soft, uh, I think, the year before. So they were trying to find some toughness. So we're, uh, we show up to the game. I remember it was in the practice rink in Oklahoma they had just built for us. And, uh, and we're in the stands before the game looking through the program and we see a guy, I think he was like six foot eight, 268 pounds or something like that. And we're, so we go talk to some of the guys who we know off their team. We go, who's this guy? They say, well, he actually played NCAA Division One uh, football just last year, but he doesn't play football anymore. And he played hockey before, and he's he's just a like he, he just wait till you see him. They said he is just absolutely just psycho. So we're going, oh great, six foot eight, okay, football, great. So we uh, we uh, we're in the room before the game, and Willie goes, I'm going to pump his fucking eyes shut. And everybody started laughing, and he said, no, I'm going to pump his fucking eyes shut. And uh, everybody, a couple guys, you go, okay, well, Willie, well, you know what, maybe maybe fight this guy, fight that guy. You know, don't, you don't have to go that guy. You know, if somebody goes after him, you know, let Marco or whoever else is on there, let them take him. Uh, you, you go after one of these guys. So warm-ups, guys, you know notoriously along the red line taking wax at guys ankles trying to beak at guys and whatever else so first shift goes i think our line started we go off the puck flipped into the bench and the face off right in front of the bench so i come off and i'm sitting right by the door last guy off and uh sure sure enough uh the big guy goes on comes right up in front of the bench he's right in front of my face he's yelling how he's gonna eat me and beat the shit out of every kill everybody i look over my shoulder willie just jumps the board i can't remember who's on the ice willie calls him off willie goes beside the guy he goes i'm gonna pump your fucking eyes shut and the guy goes oh yeah and he started he lined up i think he can't remember what he did something funny kind of as he was lining up and uh, I remember too, as, as Willie was going, I looked back at Doug Sauter. Doug just kind of gave me big eyes. And he just kind of shook his head, like, "Oh no, we both thought he was getting killed." And uh, I think Puck may, maybe just might have left the referee's hand, 
I look, Willie's drops his gloves. He hits the guy two, three times. He's got the guy on his knees, and the guy, and he's just pumping him. The linesman didn't even have time to figure out what was what had gone on yet. One guy's trying to get out of the way because the puck's in front of him, scrambling and get all the other linesman on is on the other side. Willie's just feeding this guy. Willie grabs him by the scruff of his neck, looks him in the eye, looks over at the other bench, and goes woo. <laughs> and then he just tees, starts teeing off again right on this guy. And this guy is just. Oh, he's just screaming, no, no, he's just getting beat. After all of that showmanship telling everybody he was going to kill him, this little, this five foot eight, half, five foot nine guy, you know, not, I don't know what he would have been, 185 pounds, maybe, 175. No, I think he actually, I think he weighed in at like 169 or something. And, uh, Willie just teeing off. It was the best. Probably the best thing I've ever seen in the way of fights and just, you know, somebody just conquering a giant and with class and didn't, he knew he was going to do it the whole time. Everybody thought he was dead, but no, Willie just cleans up this six foot eight monster. <laughs> yeah, well, Willie Mason listed on Hockey DB at five foot seven and 165. Yeah. There we go. There he is. Yeah. So, and, and so well over a hundred pounds out of his weight class yep, and and did that yeah and he just man he could throw him quick when he came down i thought we were getting him i thought he was coming to play i didn't i uh, i played against him a little in the sj i didn't i didn't remember him fighting anyone if he did i didn't take notice uh i didn't notice who it was but uh yeah he came down and all of a sudden he was just beating guys left and right and i don't know we Ended up sending him home. I don't know why, but uh, but yeah, he was a tough character. That's uh, Willie, great guy too. Everybody loved Willie when he was there. Well, of course, as we're talking about the Central League, uh, you know, especially in the early in the early two thousands at this time frame, oof, the dudes that rolled through that league in terms of toughness. I'm going to throw some names at you. Um, well, and anybody, uh, of course, has seen the documentary Tough Guys. Um, and it's about the Central League, and it's around this time frame. Um, one of the characters in that sh- in the show is the meat grinder, Marty Melnichuk. Oh, <laughs> that he was yeah, meat grinder. That's a perfect name. Is he was you know one of those guys, and he just loved doing it, and he was good at it. Just meat. He just he would fight anybody anytime how many well how many penalty minutes did he have he led the league i, I believe uh or did he was he getting close to the record one yeah. year something like that he was uh man he yeah he he was one of those guys he just kind of stay out of the way well <laughs> yeah he had, well he had 437 he did lead the league fourth in. yeah and then okay. a, and then the yeah. guy in columbus uh jerome bouchard had 421 yeah Boosh, yeah, he was, and he was just like my size, you know, six foot. Uh, he's from around here. Uh, what, he's, his hometown is, um, oh, shoot, I can't remember. Same as Haley Wickenheiser, I believe, maybe. Um, uh, but he, Boosh, he was real tough. He was a good player too. He was like, he was like a Wendell Clark of that league. Yeah, that's what that's what Jerome Bouchard was. Exactly, Wendell Clark of that league. And he had so much respect. Like we just played against him uh, my rookie year. We beat them 
in the final, I believe. And uh, but man, yeah, he was a good player, really, really tough. He he would fight anybody too. I think that's why he was the captain. And uh, everybody I talked to that played with him, I said they they just loved the loved him. Obviously, that's why he was wearing the C. Yeah, well, and then of course another Saskatchewan boy, uh, Curtis Vaugh. He was there. He had three hundred ninety eight minutes that year. He was tough. Yeah, yeah, he was he was tough. Him and. Uh, yeah, him and was it? Yeah, him and Willie Mason had a couple real good fights in uh, in preseason. Uh, Willie beat him. Uh, I think he beat Willie on the first one, and then Willie beat him on the second one. They were both fairly close, but you know, kind of same size guys. But yeah, Vasa, he was he was real tough. He was a good guy though. He was a, he was the type of guy that uh, kind of stayed away from from uh the scorers he would always you know if there was a lineup and somebody was in he'd come always come grab me and go hey let's go over here dumbs come over here kai we're all good we're all good you know he was uh he wasn't one of the guys there's a lot of other guys that wouldn't do that uh like uh laforge maybe i'll just throw that name he's he's the guy that wouldn't do that (laughs) everybody just just let him sleep just don't look at him and it was the craziest thing. I've never seen anything like that in hockey. And we, I remember the one, uh, we had, we had a rookie and we, everybody said, just don't go in his corner. Don't go in his corner. Cause if you didn't go touch him, he would just do nothing all game. You just don't dump in his corner. If it does go in the corner, you just kind of let him take it. And he would make an average play and wouldn't really matter. And you just let him sleep. Uh, as soon as you hit him, he was just, or did anything at all. He was just turned into a, a, a loon. I have no idea. <laughs> I never saw anything like it. We had a rookie one year that we had him sleeping for about uh, half, about half of the first period, and then this guy rookie goes in and runs him, and oh, he did all of a sudden chasing him down the ice with the tomahawk, and he's just all of a sudden rest of the game he was out for blood. And he was he was hunting anybody and anything that was you know it would just turn on his switch. I don't know what it was, but. And it didn't take much. It just took a little bit of a, little bit of a, of a rugged hit, or you know, you know, even taking the puck from him too hard sometimes. But uh, he was one of those guys that they always say, just let him sleep, let him sleep, because he was, he was tough. Actually, uh, Wade saved my life. My very first game of pro, uh, my first game, first shift of pro. I, uh, I think I've already been over that. I like to throw elbows. Uh, or I did. Um, <laughs> my first game of, of uh, pro, I they throw me on the ice with uh, Corey McIntyre and Joe Burton on the first line. You know, just get out there, kid. Don't fuck up, type thing. Get uh, get uh, a good forty five seconds in and feel it out. So I go in and I go in. I ended up finishing a check in the corner. I'm battling. Get a cross check in the back. I turn around, elbow the guy, and I'm. You know, I'm not a kid at this time. I'm, I'm trying to prove myself, and I'm not scared. Turn around. Guy gives me a shot in the shoulder. I just cold cock him. He just le- looks back. He cuts, goes to come in, and Brooker comes in, and uh, I had no idea who it was. I was just trying to be, you know, not trying to be not scared. And uh, Brooker came in and grabbed him. He said, no, no, he's just a rookie. He, doesn't, he didn't know what he's doing. He didn't know who you are. He doesn't know who you are. And he looks over his shoulder and he goes, dumbs, get the fuck out of here. And <laughs> I'll never forget. And I just went. I was like, what's going on here? What, why would Wade Brookbank 
say that. Who is this guy? And then uh, found out it was LaForge, and they told me told me all about his uh, his fights and uh, fighting in the NHL and all that. And I said, "Oh shit, okay, well, sorry, boys, I'll I'll let that guy sleep. I didn't know." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. Yeah, LaForge won. I mean, I think he got you know he was booted out of how many leagues and yeah he uh oh oh yeah him and as many leagues as uh link gates yeah probably hey do you ever have any <laughs> speaking do you ever have any run-ins with link i didn't have any run-ins with him we were supposed to play him uh like on a wednesday or something and uh we were all getting excited because we had a, i can't remember who we were with i just remember that we had or who even who i was playing with but I just remember that there was guys excited wanting to try fight him. And, uh, I think it was like a couple, like the week, the weekend before, uh, he got kicked out of the league or he wasn't in the league anymore, whatever. I don't know if he got kicked out of it, but, uh, I think he had got arrested because, uh, the story was that he got drunk and went to Taco Bell and it was like 12.03 and it closed at 12 and he was, trying to get them to serve them and they wouldn't so he drove his car through the front of the building <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was and this is a second hand story so of course but that, i've heard it from you know 10 other people so it's uh, uh some of the link stories that, that we heard are just absolute classics but uh i think he was uh it sounds like he was as crazy off the ice as he was on the ice that's a little different than most of the tough guys i know but, uh, yeah, he was, uh, that's the only kind of, that's the only thing I've really heard about, uh, about him is, is, uh, was that kind of, that story and, and we could just missed out on playing against him. Yeah. L- life imitates art, I guess. But, uh, yeah, Link, <laughs> Link, he, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, missing Link. yeah, absolutely. Well, another name from that, from the league at that time, um, Kevin Holiday. Oh yeah. Holiday. He was, uh, yeah, he was just that guy. He just wanted to fight every game. Every game. He was going after somebody. He, uh, you know, yeah, he, I'm going to say he was also a guy you really just didn't even feel like going in his corner. It was, it's not that he was going to hurt you or anything. He was going to, you know, spear you or get you, you know, he wasn't going to throw you through the boards or manhandle you too much that way. But he'd always get you with a little, with a stick or something. He, he liked to be a little bit dirty too. But, uh, yeah, he was a tough guy. He fought, uh, every, he was like, he was one of those guys that just seemed like every single time you fought or you played their team, he had at least one fight. He was an absolute warrior. He was one of those guys always at the top, of, always at the top of the, uh, the fights, I believe, wasn't he? Oh, oh yeah, he was always some of the most in the league. But he, did he get the did he get the record one year? That was the, the whole documentary was him chasing the fight record that he did get. Yes, he, yeah. Oh, he did get that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. Okay, my memory was see only seven or eight concussions. Memory's still there. It's a good thing. <laughs> good thing you didn't fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, not fighting back only four or five a year. So, uh, and in my first couple of years, I think it was only like, well, I hurt my shoulder my first couple of years, I guess. So I only had like one, one or two. But, uh, yeah, and, but nowadays, you know, if you're fighting five, six times a year, 
they'd be like, holy man, are you one of the fighters on the team? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, that was like, well, you just you you ha- like you're gonna get to five on action. Like I didn't even mean to fight that year, and you just get in five or six. You know, now that's a now that's a you're putting together a fight tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're highly rated on hockeyfights.com if you get into five or six. Yeah. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> well, some more day. I'm, I'm just going through this penalty minute list. I was like, man. I mean, so, I mean, you got Bruce Ramsey, uh, Jason Simon, Ram. Mike Mike Payne, you ever, the Rammer. There's a minor league legend for you. Payne. Oh, Mike Payne. I yeah. Uh, Mike Payne. He is. He's an absolute beauty. That was a guy that I heard. They said. You just have to meet this guy. Like he's just—he's an absolute beauty. He's just different, and he's such a good guy. Such a good guy, and so much that I think I—I I got sick of hearing it at one point, and uh, finally ended up meeting Mike Payne and hanging out with him, and came just as advertised. I think we partied for—I don't know how many days—but just—just uh, <laughs> just an unbelievable guy and an absolute machine, and he was. He would, we would be partying. He'd be going to the gym first thing in the morning, and yeah, right by this, one of those, one of those guys that's just an absolute machine, but uh, a great guy and real tough. I, I didn't play a whole lot. Uh, I don't think a, a ton uh, against him or with him or anything, but uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was an absolute beauty. There's some of the stories I've heard about that guy are uh, absolutely legendary. Like probably shouldn't share well i think he's a he's a bo- he's a boston guy right like from massachusetts somewhere or yeah. something yeah yeah oh yeah and he's well he's he's irish yeah. so and he's just and he's got the accent and like you, i don't know this <laughs> those are it's something about those irish guy like he can yeah he can put it back i'll tell you that yeah one of these guys right from southie <laughs> and ready to rumble and then go drink some beer oh, man. yeah Oh yeah, like you could just yeah, just different. Like can drink beer at like Brookbank. Can just drink as much beer as you want and just like nothing happens. Doesn't matter what two hours of sleep, thirty minutes sleep, six hours, whatever, it's all the same. Like it's you know, it's just body just wakes up feeling great. Let's go to the gym first thing. Let's just yeah, always in a good mood, always happy. One of those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, like that, uh, yeah, just go to, go through the, le- hey, did you have any run-ins with Brandon Christian? Brandon Christian? Uh, no, I'm not, where, where did he play? I'm trying to. He was briefly in Indianapolis, he was in Indianapolis with LaForge. With LaForge, oh, okay, yeah, I would have just, man, I think I, I would have played against him probably one or two, I, that's the name I'm not, I don't really remember too, okay. too, too much. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, uh, one name I do remember is Ken Boone. I heard you speaking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Booner on a previous podcast. Uh, you know, the one thing about Booner is he would always kick the shit out of Marco Cefalo. Did Marco t- <laughs> <laughs> two and zero, oh, baby? Two and zero. Two and zero. Oh man, I heard Marco telling that story, and I was laughing my ass off. I I forgot. I can remember Brooker. Brooker uh, bugging him too. Own two, own two, own two against Boone, own two against Boone. That, that bad, but the way the way that the fights went, 
obviously I was uh, I was in the games. It was uh, or at least one of them, and uh, it was exactly like Marco said. Exactly, you know, jump Marco, try and get whatever he could in, and then as soon as Marco gets ready to to absolutely throttle him, he just drops. And it, Mar- oh man, I could hear it in Marco's voice. If he could, if he could suit him up one more time just to go against Booner, <laughs> oh man, I bet you he'd pay anything. Yeah. And uh, but I played with played with Booney in uh, in Indianapolis, and just an unbelievable guy. Just loved having him on my team. Uh, ended up being a real good buddy. Um, I, I that's one guy I should try and get a hold of. See where he's at. He's probably still in Indy, but. Uh, he was just uh, like a great guy. I don't know. He was uh, real energetic, real energetic guy. But uh, he would fight anybody, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I remember. Yeah. Anybody, anytime. And he. I remember him fighting guys way out of his league. And somehow he was always in the fight. Even he would always get ragdolled. It seemed at some point, but he would always end up kind of back in the fight or just with the upper hand somehow, you know, or making it close. And he would just drive these tough guys absolutely crazy. And then, if they did get the upper hand on him, he'd just go down and <laughs> the fight. So it was <laughs> real easy, uh, whatever he had to do. But Booner was like that, you know, for the for uh, his teammates too. Whatever he had to do to try win, didn't matter if he was somebody thought he was, you know, doing it wrong or cheating or something. He didn't give a shit. He just wanted to win, and he was going to be there for the boys. And that was the one thing. He would always, always step up for anybody. I don't care what anybody says again about Ken Boone. I saw that guy with when people were taking liberties on myself or other guys. I saw Booney go, hey, you want me to get him? Yeah, okay. And right after the guy. And just mad. Like, it was his later, like... Booney was the type of guy, if you picked on one of his teammates, and you wouldn't think of this, you know, because most people think of him like, uh, you know, just a rat guy. But if you picked on one of his teammates, he would take it like you were picking on him or like you were picking on his dog or his little brother. Like, you could just see him just get pissed off. Like, not today. Not not, not my team. And that was kind of what, when you saw that out of Booney, it's not like he was going to go, you know, kick the shit out of everybody after that. But just the fact that he that he cared about his teammates that much and he wanted to, you know, all, and he would always stand up for him. That's, uh, those are the guys that, you know, hockey, uh, we need more of those guys in the game today. <clears throat> well, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting just mm-hmm. as you were saying that, um, this conversation has come up. I've mentioned it on my podcast before and talked to, hey, you know, it just comes up, you know, us little fight geeks on our message boards and stuff. And it's, I've, I've always said it, um, and you know, I'll ask you now, um, although you just sort of said it, um, in terms of like when guys fight and stuff like that, I mean, everybody wants to win their fights, of course, and stuff, but I think the win loss that I always said the win loss thing, that's, that's kind of like fan shit. I said, the boys don't really yeah. care about that. They just want to see you do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's, it's not about, I mean, yeah, obviously you want to win, but I mean, the point of a fight in hockey is to try and rally your team. So it doesn't matter if the guy wins or not. If you're, uh, if, if, if I, I remember the, uh, you know, what I was a scorer. So in maybe my third year, we were down bad to Wichita and things were going real, real bad. And I wasn't a fighter, but I decided, okay, 
I'm just going to drop. I knew I wasn't going to kick the shit out of anybody. I wasn't going to fight the toughest guy in the league. But it rallied the boys. It was just an average fight, whatever, no big deal. But just anybody doing it rallied is my point. You know, just anybody. It doesn't have to be the tough guy. Even a, even a guy who's not tough can go out and fight and get the shit kicked out of him, and that's enough. The boys are like, hey, he stepped up for us. You know, he, he showed some balls. There we go. Now let's get rolling. It's more to just show the guys, like, hey, you know, we need to step it up. Watch this. I'm going to step up. I'm going to get it started. If I can do this, you can fucking have a hard shift next time. That's kind of, that's kind of, to me, that's the point of fighting. doesn't really matter if you win or lose. Now, that's that being said, you get a guy like Brooker on your team or Cefalo, or they're winning every fight, it sure helps. Yeah. <laughs> it sure helps in, in the momentum department. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, you don't always have to win. As long as you're stepping up, for, as long as you're stepping up, and that's all the boys care about. And, you know, especially when you're, you got to at least show that you're going to do it, even if you don't do it all the time. You have to show you're going to do it because you're going to war with guys. So do you want to step up? Like you know, when I look in the NHL, Austin Matthews is my favorite player. But if he would just fucking drop the gloves and fight somebody one time and show everybody else that he was going to do it, he could have the C on his jersey probably. And he, like, I don't know. I think the boys just trust you more when you're going to go to battle for them. You know, it just shows. It just shows the rest of the boys. This is this is what I'm willing to do for you. You know, here we go. Now let's go to war. You know that if somebody needs to go in the corner in the corner to to get that puck out, you know he's going to do it. You saw him fight. You know he's going to go get that puck. It's a it's almost a trust thing, building trust uh, in a team in a team structure. You know. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, yeah. uh, one of your teammates, uh, it was actually right when uh, right when you and Doug must have got mad at each other because he sent you to Indianapolis that year. <laughs> but uh, before you yeah. left on Oklahoma, um, was former guest of the show, and uh, he's tremendous, and I know he's listening to this, Les Borsheim. Got any stories about Les? Les. Oh, man. Les is, uh, like... One of the absolute fucking beauties. Yeah, I love. I always still talk to Les to this day. We'll always. I'll talk to him till till the day I die or he dies. Whoever goes first, uh, we'll, we'll have a competition. Well, I think <laughs> Les has already uh, proven you can't kill him. <laughs> no, yeah, he's. I mean, yeah. Do you see how tough that guy is? Yeah. One of the like when you talk about biggest animal ever, that's like I. So I'll go Brookbank. Borsheim, Nabseth. Like, just of guys that are just, like, like just different, you know? Just, I don't know, can take anything, can do anything, just great guys. Uh, there for you, uh, you know, there for you really whenever you need it. No, absolutely. Hello? Oh, sorry, I thought I was, phone was breaking up there a little bit. No, I got you. Are you there? Yeah, you're there. You I, go. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. Is that where, where, where? Who are we talking about here? Sorry. Les Borsheim. Lors, Les. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm getting beeps in my ear here. Um, so yeah, Les. I mean, he was. Uh, so I played with him in uh, in Oklahoma, and <clears throat> that's. I had played with him, or I played against him a little bit in the in the WHL and. I always just remember he was just like that. He kind of looked like a bodybuilder, 
uh, underneath, you know, even <laughs> he just looked like his neck was like just ripped, even through his even through his equipment. Then he showed up, and man, the guy takes his shirt off, and he's just like just jacked. And you're like, okay, this is good. This guy's on our team, right on. <laughs> and he was, it was, man, I saw, and he had so many toe-to-toe battles where that guy, he just like, he just loved take. I think he loved taking them as much as he loved giving them. He loved getting in those in those fights where it was just kind of close quarters, where you just kind of give that quick little left jab and then the quick right, and just kind of go back and forth tight little i didn't see Les wasn't the type of guy that would try and just throw bombs and come from the you know come from the rafters like marco you know marco just wants to go for the he loves going for the high bomb marco can show throw the, the little shit but marco loves the bomb uh he loves putting guys to sleep Les was i don't know Les is almost like he was going to get you with a short with a short hard one and just stun you when you weren't you know and he did it so often do it to so many guys just kind of give them bambi legs for a second you know just kind of make them forget where they are just for that split second enough to make them go down and uh and like i said one of the best one of the best dudes uh you want to you want to go party all night he'll go with you you want to go anything less is less is there for you he was uh he's a great great dude and uh i'm gonna uh, i gotta get down and see him Man, I got to get down and see him soon, uh, sooner than later. It's been it's been way too long. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, he's doing and he's doing some uh, color commentary. Yeah, because he's he's still doing some color commentary down there. So I did a little color uh, for ten years there with the Pats. So I'm gonna see if he's gonna maybe see if he'll let me go sneak in sneak in a game in the booth with him one day. Well, I think, yeah, you would less do it. The voice of the Colorado Eagles. I think you guys you got to do that, man. Yeah, uh, if you're going yeah. down there, I know for sure he's going to tell you to bring some Pilsner with you, though. So, oh, oh man, yeah, he loves his Pilsner. I think he did. He like Bo as well, or no? I think that was just no. That was Brookbank. Oh, that was Brookbank. Brookbank. Was Team Bo? Yeah, yeah he had warm, the hat and everything. And warm, warm Bo. Make sure I'll never forget. His mom brought him a case down first time they came down the first year, and we got back and he got in. He said, "Mom, where's the case of beer?" Well, I put it in the fridge. He said, what? I told you. You, know, you don't put bow in the fridge. Takes it out of the fridge, and he's got the warm water going, and he's rolling the beer bottle in the warm water. He said, you got to drink bowl warm. It just tastes different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Lester, he's a big he's a big pill guy. Well, he's, he's from – if you're from – he's from Watchers, right around, you know, it's an uh, hour and a half. I mean, i got a cabin there at uh, Manitou Beach, right uh, – it's a – Two, it's a, about a kilometer and a half away. That's where uh, that's where Les grew up. So he's right right here from from me. Every if you're if you're from this area, as you know, Saskatoon area, I think Pilsner is uh, yep. mo- uh, a lot of a lot of people's staple staple beer. I know when I drank that was uh, that was often my beer of choice. Yeah, a lot of uh, high school was a big blur because of Pilsner. Yeah, for sure. Uh, oh man, and Lucky Lager. Yeah, wow. You know, all summer that yeah. one summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, so you get well, you get shipped to Indianapolis, um, and your coach there was Ken McCray. Did you get along with him? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Unbelievable! My the best coach that I ever had. 
was Ken McRae. He was uh, like by far. I didn't even know what coaching was or what uh, coaches did, what go- good coaches did until I had Ken McRae. He had everything broken down, and he was a tough guy when he played. Yep. That was. Uh, I should probably tell. I should probably tell this story first. Uh, so Ken McRae. He uh, he uh, he had to quit uh, in the NHL because he had uh, he has that blood clotting disease. So if anything happened, you know, um, I think uh, he forced him to quit. So he was still young and still in really good shape when he was our coach. And uh, you know, he's a good guy, one of the guys, and he never he's a great, always you know, open door policy. Never get mad at anybody. He'd get mad at little things, but he never. He was real good at not getting mad at the guys. Well, we had blown a lead one game, and then I think the next day, guys are kind of pissed around in practice, and a couple guys might have smelled like booze, and he just lost it. And he fired a puck, slap shot down to the other side and hit the glass, and then he turned around, dropped the gloves, and he said, all right, who fucking wants to go? Let's go. And he's calling on everybody, and everybody was just like, holy shit. He, like, just, I don't know, he... He's kind of a bigger guy, and just just uh, when he looked mad, it was like you knew you didn't want to fu- you didn't want to fuck with McRae. <laughs> but he had so much respect from all the guys. Needless to say, he didn't have one taker. Everybody just kind of kind of sat back. I think he would kick the shit out of anybody, even our tough guys uh, at that point, because he was pretty tough when he played too. But uh, just his coaching, like he uh, man. He had systems for systems. We he had us trained like dogs, man. We had six or seven different uh, six or seven different breakouts that he would just yell a word, and you knew which one was going on. And everybody in symphony, and we would he would we would do it at the beginning, at the end of every practice, and he would just be called. And we started slow. He'd just add one at a time at the beginning of the year and go through each one slow, and then he'd start adding two, then three, and just kind of more and more and then you were up to like six or seven and by the end of the year he would just he would call out a uh, a word on the bench when we we're going back and you you know you'd have six or seven different and he could read the play so well that he knew what to do it was like i tell people now it was like cheating it was so easy for us because he was such a good coach we had uh we would do different breakouts like that he had all different play he'd tell us you know, for the first five minutes, we're going to do this, and then we're going to switch it to do this, and then we're going to do this other system. And we just had all these great systems that everybody was so familiar with. And the way he worked them into practice was so fun and never wore you out. And every, and being a good guy, you know, it was, it was, uh, everybody wanted to play for him, but he just made it so easy with the systems. I had never seen that. And when I first got there, the guy was, came in, you know, a couple, few months into the season. So I was, Kind of, I came from Doug Sauter's practices where it was the same practice every single, every day. Every, for years. And, uh, you do a little variation here or there, but Doug just coached people. So I went there and this was like fucking advanced calculus to me. I was like, what the hell's going on here? Oh yeah, there's systems in hockey. And then, uh, so we started doing it. And I mean, we didn't have the most skilled team. We had uh, myself and Jason Baird and and uh, uh, a few other guys that were that were pretty skilled, but it, was, it wasn't the most skilled team. But with Ken McRae, he just made it freaking easy. He didn't need a skilled team, 
he was uh he had everybody we, it was like uh i don't know felt like you were in the army and you wanted to be there <laughs> you just had all these you knew all the formations it was uh it was he was fun to play with that's for sure did i read right that darren pang was the goalie coach uh no no where did that well it's, it's got him listed here at hockey tv yeah oh you know what because he came in as uh okay so uh in indianapolis that year we were trying to sell they were trying to sell tickets and they were doing the old uh, minor league we will pull out anything to we will try to do anything so i think they might have had a like down for like a game or two and just maybe listed them something like that that year we also had minute bowl uh play one game for the team uh they he didn't end up he was supposed to play a shift but he couldn't get on the ice because uh they couldn't make skates big enough for his feet fast enough so <laughs> he just sat on the bench all game with runner running shoes on and ste- stepped on the ice once and raised his stick and then they said minute bowl played for the team they had uh, also, also that year we had Tanya Harding was uh, there in between periods. Uh, she was boxing an oversized one of those over, guys in the oversized fat guy suit. Um, there was just all sorts of all sorts of stuff. We had all these stars and weird people coming through. I think Polly Shore came through for something, or I can't remember. It was just a, all this weird stuff going on. We were going. Okay, this is just like uh, like you see in that movie uh, Semi Pro. <laughs> yeah, just pulling pulling out all the stops, trying to fill the stands. It was it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, hey, Tanya Harding, there'd be somebody to go drinking with. She'd be fun to hang out oh, with. I bet. We tried to hang out with her after, but uh, they she had all security security guards. They wouldn't they wouldn't let her go out. The boys were the boys were trying to get her to go out, but uh, no can do. You know the fellas. Oh yeah, they probably had other, probably had other things in mind. Those sneaky buggers, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, interesting though. It was uh, it was uh, quite the year in in India. India was a great place, great town too. Had some great guys there, Bernie John and and guys like that. Um, Kevin Saint John, uh, or uh, sorry, Saint Jacques. Yep. You probably remember Kevin St. Chuck from the last year. Yeah, he was a real good player. We had a, we had a pretty fun team there. A couple of tougher guys, but uh, Ken Boone. Yep. Probably. Uh, we had a defenseman. Kevin, Who's the, uh, Kevin Pop. Kevin Pop. Popper. He was really tough. Yep. He was really, really tough. But he never, he didn't fight a ton. If he... Kevin Pop, if he wanted, if he was, uh, if he had it in him to be a tough guy, if he wanted to be the toughest guy, he could have been one of the toughest guys. I think he just, uh, I don't know, he was kind of a good player, kind of a quiet guy, liked to play. I think he likes to just kind of be a quiet, stay-at-home defenseman and kind of keep to himself. But every now and then, if it was necessary, he, uh, man, I seen, I saw him clean up some, some pretty tough guys. I never saw him lose. He was just so strong. He's one of those guys that would mess around with you in drills in the corner, and he could just kind of grab the back of your pants and move you, and you'd just wonder how he's doing it with one arm and your couple a couple hundred pounds with gear on. But uh, yeah, he was a big, tough boy. He could he could string he could string guys out. He just uh, didn't do it a whole a whole heck of a lot. How about Remy Royer? Remy Royer, I forgot about Remy. 
Oh man, you're bringing out some good names here. Oh yeah, yeah he was. Well, just a. How many how many pims did he have? Well, he played twenty seven games. He had one hundred and thirty six minutes. Yeah. Okay. I knew. I I was remembering something ridiculous, but yeah, on a small amount of games, he's. Uh, well, yeah, he just he just he was one of those guys that was. Uh, he ended up scoring scoring a few really nice goals. I remember too, but uh, he was one of those guys that would just go out there just looking for it and just like just wanted to he just wanted to mix it up it was almost like he was like he just he was about the show he wanted to put on a show for the fans he wanted to go fly around and hit hit somebody with elbows jumping in the air and and uh but he man he could he could he could throw it out too he uh he was one of those guys where pretty much you 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 expected any any night you went to the rink you you just expected he was fighting, you know. He didn't every night, but you would think he was. Some guy, you know, when it's Brookbank or Cefalo, you know, you know that they're going to go off it, that they're going to go a lot. But you're not thinking every night, you know. Guys like that, you're thinking, well, this he's, this guy's just one of those guys that's just trying to get into it every single freaking night. <laughs> Good guy to have on your team. Oh no, absolutely. And uh, well, one of the uh, one of the characters that I wanted to uh, to ask you about in that in that time frame, um, you know, was uh, that you were playing. He was in Corpus uh, with Brad Wingfeld. Did you ever have any run-ins oh, with Winger? Winger, Winger. Yeah. Well, I I didn't have any uh, any real run-ins with Winger. He was uh, he was surprisingly. Uh, I don't know. I I don't think he played. He didn't play a whole hell of a lot. But when he did. He was just going straight out. Like, he was just going for his, he would go to his guy, whoever he wanted. Like, he wanted a challenge. I don't think he ever, he was never going to fight uh, someone like me, I don't think, unless I would jump him or really piss him off or something. But uh, he was the guy that was, you know, I think he had his his bout set probably before 95% of the games in his career, I would bet. He knew he was going to fight. He just seemed like that guy. I don't know him. I would I would just bet that. He just seemed like uh, he was, uh, and he was tough as tough as nails, man. Just another one of those guys, man. All these names you're bringing out tonight, I'm like, holy man! Like now you look around the leagues, look around the leagues right now, and it's like, could you imagine if a league was littered with all of these guys right now? How exciting that would be again! Oh yeah. Well, I'm just like even I would start just that... watching games again. Oh, exactly. I would I would start watching games. I don't even wa- I would just watch highlights now. I don't uh just I've just started. I've I've decided I think it's just better to just watch the highlights. That's all I'm <laughs> I doing. Get yeah. damn fru- I get too damn frustrated waiting for uh waiting a while. I just want to watch that grind a little bit, but yeah, well, do do? just just even in that Northeast Division where you guys are playing that yeah. year, I mean, you got yeah. uh Boyer the old Shreveport there. I mean, they got Jim Sprott, David Oliver. I mean, Memphis has uh, Daryl oh. Moore and Jeremy Cornish. You know, Fort yeah. Worth got Stephen Reed. I mean, it's just like, yeah. It's Cornish a- was tough as nails. Yes, he was. Cornish was another guy. Where did he come out of? Was he a BC guy? No, Ontario. Played no. junior. He Ontario. played junior A in Ontario. Yeah, that's right, too. Okay. Cornish, yeah, he was uh, he was one of those guys that kind of reminded me like of uh, like a Fleener or uh, or a Brooker. I know he wasn't quite that tough, 
but he he just kind of I don't know something about his maybe his demeanor or or whatever it was about Cornish, but uh, he just was kind of that uh, kind of like, he was a good player too though he was uh, and then uh, who was who was uh, the other guy that you mentioned from Memphis Daryl Moore. More, more, yeah. He was uh, he was another guy that uh, he was. Uh, I think he was a guy that you'd probably want to have on your team. He would, uh, you know, he, he could take the body, do whatever. But yeah, he was uh, he was another guy that. I mean, they had so many. They had a few of those guys, and that's why they were. That's why they were good that year. Uh, you know, we we were we won the league, and we had Brooker and Tafalo and Garth Gardner and all these guys. And the next year, all we had was we had Marco, but I think Marco was hurt a little bit, and then. Uh, whatever happened, uh, but then Memphis. All of a sudden, Memphis. I think they won the cup that year, and they had all those types of guys. Those are the guys that was taken to win. You know, everybody had, everybody had. Uh, you know, me and Marty uh, and and uh, Dave Shield and Joe Burton. Everybody had those guys. But if you didn't have the Garth Gardners and uh, Sheldon Zamatas and the, and uh, Shelley was a was a guy too i loved playing with sheldon uh i i could have played on the line with him all year but uh you need you need those guys like memphis had like the moors and yep. uh, and those types of guys well, that is- i mean even you, you look today i mean it's really it's the same thing that's what the that's what the leafs are missing if they can add some more of those guys it's not the same as it was in the old days but uh, you still need those you know those uh tougher guys like that are going to get in there, mix it up, and and battle for the team. I mean, so much of hockey is just the mental edge of just knowing that we're better, we're tougher, we're stronger, we're faster. I just don't get how more there aren't more you know enforcers right now. No, absolutely. Well, um, as we do the journey here, uh, your next stop is Austin, and uh, I had Josh yeah. Mazer on the yeah. show, and he loved his time in Austin. How did you, you dig Austin, or what? Oh man, Austin, Texas was unbelievable. It was uh, it was too good of a city. Uh, we were we had myself, John McNabb, Chris Richards, uh, Kelly Smart. Uh, oh man, I could Chris Chris Knobloch. No, yeah, Knobber was there. He was a quiet, a quieter guy, but he was awesome. He was out with us all the time. He was one of the boys. Uh, but we were so here. Here's Austin. Here's how good Austin, Texas is. As of January 1st, I believe we were in first place or second place in our division. And I think it was something like March 6th, we were out of the playoffs. We, were, <laughs> we, we dropped anchor. Some, some fan uh, said, hey, do you guys want to take uh, this boat out? And we said, oh, yeah, like in the summer. He said, no, no, no like now. And we said, well, it's end of December. He said, uh, yeah, no, just come take it out in the new year. You can take her out. Like, January, water's fine. So we went out in January. We had this pontoon boat. There was two levels. There was a barbecue on top, barbecue on the bottom. Of course, we had a bunch of beer and food. And we did this uh, quite often. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, needless to say, just over a month later, uh, we were out of the playoffs. That's how good of a town Austin, Texas was. They were... <laughs> People hooking you up with everything. There's water in the city. You know, you're going on boats. You're going to see everything in the town. Guys are out at Sixth Street all the time in College Town, and 
and it, oh man it was just uh it, that was uh that was a really really fun year i wish we would have uh wish we would have made the playoffs that year because we were uh we were we had quite a quite a good team a good group of guys but uh yeah that city that's if if you have a chance if you've never been to austin texas you got to go see it it's a it's a and it's a different kind of feel too especially the downtown area kind of that hippie place my favorite place was uh the johnny cash bar it's uh literally a house and some like it's just off just about a block or two off of downtown it looks like you're driving in a regular neighborhood like you'd be in regina but just this one house is a is a bar and it's the johnny cash bar so it's uh you know all sorts of little little cool play things like that there and different restaurants and, and uh yeah austin's a great city you gotta get there yeah no i've heard yeah well it's funny mazer said the exact same thing it was too good yeah yeah but uh <laughs> one one of the before we leave austin one of the characters and i've had guests on the show and they've had a few different stories few or they had a few things to say about this guy, positive and negative, um, with Dallas Anderson. Oh, Dallas. Yeah, no, I have nothing but good things to say. I don't, I've heard some people that, uh, yeah, I don't know why, I don't know how anybody could not like Dallas Anderson. He, to me, he, I mean, if you played against him, yeah. I could well, that's that. what it was, yeah. Uh, they didn't like playing against yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, man, as a guy, one of the funniest guys, he's just a big kid, man. He's, uh, he was, uh, and he was, he was pretty tough, man. Like he, he yeah. did some, did some ass kick and his brother was tough too. His brother Ryan was around. He used to, he hung out with the team. There's a crazy skinny. guy, man. I could tell you, I could tell you stories about skinny that he's told me. That's another guy for weeks. Uh, maybe the greatest the greatest story i've ever i'll never i'll never i would never touch it on in here but maybe the greatest uh uh non-wedding non-wedding story i've ever heard you you got to get a hold of him i know and i think i think i know and i think i know the story you're talking about yeah i've heard yeah i had someone tell it to me yeah yeah Yeah. okay we'll leave it at that yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah he he would be a beauty for a podcast yeah oh man that guy so uh, like Dallas is just uh, yeah I don't know just another level of fun and the kind of di- you know when you meet somebody they're just different and so fun and everybody loves them that's kind of Dallas you know that they're those type of guys and his uh, his brother uh, Ryan the first I had heard all these legendary stories about this guy what a beauty this guy is first time I meet him. Me, I have one of my buddies is down from Regina, and he's got the suite, uh, the Queen's suite at some hotel downtown. And uh, he was doing pretty well at the time, so he came down, and got a suite, and had all the boys up there. And uh, all of a sudden, we're like, "Well, where's Ryan? Ryan was supposed to be coming. We were waiting for him. We we're going to go out. Where's Ryan? Where's Ryan?" All of a sudden, we get a call from the concierge. You go, "Uh, is this guy?" here down here with you he said oh they go oh no fine okay what 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 happened they're like uh yeah i don't know we're not sure if this guy's with you or what but uh you better get down here so we get down there and uh he's riding uh you know i think the cart that they take luggage up on he's got his hand up on it and he's got one foot on it he's riding it around like a skateboard 
yipping and yelling and having drinks, and he's in an Elvis costume. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, I'm going, oh, this is the first time I've ever met this guy. I'm like, uh, everything I heard was exactly true, and it's probably and it's probably even better than I heard. <laughs> but we we used to go. Oh man, we did lots of partying with those guys uh, that year. We had uh, probably another reason we were out. Of, that was the other reason, or the reason we were out of the playoffs. So <laughs> it wasn't just the uh, the weather's fault or the city, but uh, but those guys, well, man, yeah, great great guys. And uh, you got to if you can get one of those guys on, if you can get Ryan on, try and get Ryan on. He's uh man, that guy would have stories for for days. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, I know I need to uh need to or get him back on. Or Dallas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, so you go back to Oklahoma now and yeah. uh uh, a couple of your teammates, uh, we t- a former Melville millionaire and a tough little bastard that could really go was Graham Durrell. Uh, he was oh, there. Yeah. And another guy, yeah. a big dude and former guest of the show, I encourage people listening to go back and check out his episode, and the proud owner and operator of No Name Hockey, Jason Goulet. Jason Goulet. I just saw, saw him again last year, two years ago. I talked to Goose every now and then. He's a great guy. Uh, that's a that that is a large human. That's a that's a big boy. Good to have on your team, man. I well, I remember when Goose first got there. He was another guy that was you know not a whole lot of bombs. He'd mix a bomb in every now and then, but he's another guy that just could fucking. Uh, it was like a it's like a like a snake fighting you is what it kind of looked like. Like he'd just kind of pull you in and you weren't going anywhere. Like he could get guys in tight and give them those little those little quick lefts when he was holding on to the scruff of their neck and then cross over with the right quick and he just kind of look and he would just tie guys up so good and i could see he would just almost get this look on his face like like a big brother like you know like he i don't know would he would he be like what are you doing what are you doing what are you trying to do there son what are you trying to do and he'd kind of start gritting his teeth sometimes and he'd be standing straight up sometimes with this straight leg and just like Using all of his all of his power, just tying guys up, getting little shots. Man, he's a big, strong boy, like you said, and uh, and just a great guy. Teddy Bear off the ice was uh, pro- it was one of my best friends uh, off the ice. Uh, I think he played about a year a year and a bit with him, and uh, that second year we were real, I think, real close before I before I ended up leaving. Uh, but uh, yeah, great guy, and that's another guy I'll. Probably I'll always keep in touch with till day I die. He's just you know just real nice, laid back like a lot of a lot of the tough guys. But uh, yeah, he didn't want to he didn't want to fuck around with Jay on the ice. That's for sure. I played against him a little bit too, and uh, he was uh, obviously we were good buddies. So uh, he took it easy on me, but he did come and give me a little chop in the back of the leg, but in front of the net. Mind me, he was there one time. I remember. I looked back and gave him a smile, but uh, he was, uh, yeah, he's a he's a big tough boy, like you said. That was a massive. That's a massive human being. Yeah, well, that year Colorado really loaded up, but I mean they had Pankowitz and of course Les was over there. Borsheim, Ryan Tobler, Fraser yeah. Flippick. You want to talk about a tough dude, Fraser Flippick? Oh man, him and Durrell had yeah. the fight. Yeah, he ended up. Yeah, he caught Durley once, uh, yep. knocked him out. It was. Uh, 
Yeah, man, it was it was Durley had him kind of. I think before it almost looked. I think before that or the fight before that, maybe it was. I think that was their second fight of the game. Uh, but uh, yeah, him and Durl and uh, him and Durl had some unbelievable, unbelievable fights, and they were always just up for it. And you know, good guys, they talk and they make sure the other guy's good. You know, you ready to go? You ready? Like you know, on those guys were those are the fighters I like. Little honor amongst thieves. I remember as Brooker and. And uh, Marco always used to say, but, uh, you know, square off all the time, put on a little show for the crowd, spin the elbows, spin the helmet, you know, and uh, and get after it. Those are, those are fun days. That middleweight bouts, uh, I don't know, what do you call them, middle heavyweight? What do you call those? Yeah, what? Well, yeah. You guys are heavyweights, just not in the Jason Goulet. If, if you had one of those guys in a Jason Goulet body, oh, that's you don't yeah i wouldn't want to see that those guys are <laughs> yeah those, they got too much fire those those guys <laughs> well you uh well then you get uh you know you leave oklahoma again and you're you're off to tulsa what'd you think of tulsa yeah i i loved the city actually i didn't know before i went there uh it was the richest city in north america for 10 years in a row at one point Really? Yeah, uh, oil city. Oil city. Oh, yeah, that's true. So that's yeah, they call they call them the oil. Totally yeah, so I dr- I drive in uh, the first time and uh, driving over these big highways, and all of a sudden I'm in these areas, and there's just these great big stone fences, like twenty feet high. These mansions behind it, just mansions and man. I'm driving twenties, thirties, minute, forty minutes, and I'm going. How can there be that? Like, what do all these people do? How is there this many nice big houses? I, that's, the, that's what I remember the first, my first kind of inkling of Tulsa. And I drove through some spots that we'd never really, you don't really see when you're just driving in to go to the, you know, on the bus to go to the rink and leave. So it was, uh, it was a real, real nice city. I loved it there. My, uh, my ex-wife was from there, married a Tulsa girl. I also divorced a Tulsa girl, so uh, <laughs> she's back there. And uh, and uh, but the I don't know. They, I wasn't. I didn't play a whole lot there. I was only there for the half the year, and I ended up getting hurt at the end of the year. So we were uh, when they traded for me. We were I think twelve points or something out of a playoff spot, and then we were down to like the last four or five games of the year, and we were two points. We had climbed into two points out. And then I hurt my back, and I had to miss the last, like I think, the last four games, something like that. And we ended up missing by one or one or two points. So that was a little bit of a piss off to climb all that way back out of that hole and be almost there, and then get hurt. That uh, that kind of sucked. And then I was gone, gone the next year. I I ended up, uh, I was gonna go to Italy the next year, and uh, fell through last minute. Uh, the the coach uh, switched leagues and a new coach came in and he wanted to bring his own guys. So I was stuck. Hence my final year that I'm proud of probably leading into in, uh, in Flint. <laughs> the, uh, that, that's how, that's how I ended up going to Flint was um, I was supposed to go to Italy. Like I said, the coach left, brought his new guys. There was a, there was a week until uh, I was supposed to leave a week later. Thankfully it was about, Four weeks until the C- the, C- or the uh, IHL season started, and I called. I looked around. Everybody had their vets and more. And I said, well, "I'm not going to go take somebody's spot as a as a 29 year old." 
so uh so i went and uh i went and i knew a lot of the guys you know i didn't want to go in and battle against you know other guys that i had partied with or knew is knew was a good guy some guys had wives you know places i'm going i'm not gonna go i'll go i'll go find somewhere else so ended up uh, my buddy michel Beausoleil was uh was going to flint so I said, yeah, they had a spot open for a vet, for a vet. So I ended up, uh, going to Flint, Michigan and wow, that, uh, that was an eye opener going there. Well, what was the Flint? Yeah. Like Flint was, do you want me to tell you what Flint was like when I, uh, <laughs> my first inkling of, of Flint? Yeah, absolutely. So we get there, we're driving in, we drive overnight. Uh, there's me, Beausoleil and, uh, I can't remember. There's one other guy with us, and so we uh, so we finally we finally get there. It's Saturday. It's about quarter after two, two thirty, something like that. And we go, okay, well, we got to go to the bathroom and drive forever. Got to get something to drink. We go pull into the gas big gas station, and uh, we go up and oh, must have to pumps her. The pump won't come off. It looks like it's locked up. We're going to go ask him what's going on. So you go inside, go to go inside. Oh, there's bars on the window. Well, why? it says open. So we're going, what the heck? So then we go to leave and we hear, yes, what would you like? And we're going, "Uh, oh, well, we just want to come in. We go to the bathroom. We're just going to shop around, get some stuff. And the lady comes over the mic. Sorry, you can't come in. Tell me what you want and I'll get it for you. And we said, what? Why Why can't we come in? And she said, well, that's just the way it works. So, And then we noticed behind the bars there was bulletproof, bulletproof glass. And all of a sudden we looked around and we're like, boys, where the hell did we come? <laughs> where did we agree to go play hockey? Uh, we ended up uh, driving into the city and it uh, it didn't get a whole lot nicer. It ended up, there was a couple of couple of okay areas where where we lived it was it was all right but uh yeah flint michigan was who man that was something else and it was even when you went out like you go the boys would go out on a saturday night and we everybody made sure they stuck together it was uh, a lot of shady characters around uh around that area but it, but they did have some they did have some cool places um a couple of the bars that semi-pro was shot in there was uh were were uh, were there and they had some they had some good uh, good fans good really good fan club and stuff like that but uh, yeah man the city was was not the nicest city i've ever been to well after all that you you played in the central league your whole career then you go to the the uh, yeah. new the new ihl the uhl i always call it the uhl yeah. but uh what yeah. what were the differences in the leagues well, that so we, we we called it they called it an experimental league, and that was the other reason why I went there was because they said they said okay, well we're reopening the IHL, which was yeah the UHL basically with a couple teams from the think maybe old coast teams and whatever else, but uh, but they said uh, they said it's going to be experimental league because they had just gone to the new rules with no more hooking and holding. And we had already noticed in a year that everybody was getting hurt. Every, stitches were up like 45% or something like that, or 65%. Like, it was a lot. And, um, and every, a lot more, they were noticing more injuries and stuff. So they said, okay, well, let's do a de- developmental league. Let's go back to the hooking and holding rules. 
and then we'll see what everybody thinks. And they even asked us. They uh, after our season, they gave, they handed out uh, uh, bro, or like flyers for us to fill out about what we thought about the rules and stuff like that, and how we liked the, you know, going back to the old rules and stuff like that. Everybody I know said that they absolutely loved it. Uh, we loved it. I loved it. It was back to hooking and holding. It was nice to you know be able to not get hooked, but when guys barreling down on your defenseman and you can't give them a little two second hold up and you're getting called for penalty, like we're I don't know I don't like the new I don't like the new rules, but uh, we were all gung ho about the about the uh, going back to the old rules. So we talked and after the season we were sure every hockey was going back to the old rules. And uh, I don't know. That was the last you heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They like the they like the speed game. I know why. It's uh, it's pretty. It's the the uh, the highlights are are good to watch. But uh, I don't know. I know going uh, playing both. I I know I sure like the hooking and holding better. And I even like getting hooked better. You know, that's part of you know that's part of the grind sometimes, especially in the corners. If a guy's hooking me and I'm working my way out of the corner, I know exactly where he's at. Yep. So if he's not hooking me, I I got to be looking over my shoulder. Am I going to get blindsided? What's going on? That's what I say in today's game. I don't even. I never say, "Oh, I wish I could play in today's game." I just say, "Ah, oh, it's uh, it's it's fun to watch." But I'm happy I played when I did. Well, before uh, I know I've kept you a while here. Before I let you go, I got to talk about a few guys that you played with in Flint. First of all, we'll start with your coach. Well, he was, I think he was your coach, and then he got fired. Or uh, Kevin Kerr. Uh, Kevin Kerr. He was the uh, yeah all time leading goal scorer in the league. Oh, he was. Un- he was un- unbelievable numbers. Unbelievable. Oh man, he was so good, and he would sit there and like he was in practice. He would just grab the puck and, you know, he'd be sitting in front of the net and he just, he didn't look like, he had a kind of a awkward way that he shot the puck with his snapshot almost, or it was just a little bit different, which is probably why it worked, probably why the goalie couldn't read it. But he would just sit there and just, just snap pucks, just off the barn in, posting in, barn in, barn in, posting in, just anywhere, standing from anywhere, backhand, forehand, and you're going, okay, I know why this guy is the all-time leading goal scorer. <laughs> he was a re- he, he was a good coach, really good coach, and a, uh, and a great guy. We ended up losing out, I think, in the first round of the playoffs that year. But, uh, yeah, we all really, really liked him. That's for sure. Well, and another guy who, uh, you know, played in the Western Hockey League, tough dude, uh, did it for a long time in pro, and is now coaching Kelowna. I be- yeah, he's coaching Kelowna, I believe. Chris Mally. Mo- yeah, Chris Millette. <laughs> Mally, yeah, Chris Millett, uh just such a super guy. I saw, I see him sometimes. Well, I've seen him the last couple of years when I was uh, still doing the uh, color for the Regina Pats games here. Um, I would see him at the rink. I stopped doing it now this year, but um, at the end of last year too. But um, he, I, he's, I, I'd see him at the rink, and I hadn't seen him in you know maybe six, seven, eight years. And uh, it's just like you know, just like you, just like you saw him yesterday. Just a great guy, and he's always—I don't know—he's one of those guys that's just like seems like a family man and just trustworthy. And um, you know, if you're—he's one of those guys. If you had a daughter, you'd want her to marry a guy like that. 
you know that's uh, just uh, just the guy that's uh, you know stand up guy it's one of the stand up type of guys and then get him on the ice and fuck somehow he turns into the biggest badass he's <laughs> he you know he, he'll play dirty he's just uh, yeah and he's a funny guy too he's a off the ice, real funny guy, great guy, but uh, man, on the ice, all of a sudden oh. that he just he can he can just flip that that switch flips, and holy shit, did I see him beat up some beat up some tough guys for the boys, and that's another thing too with Mally, why why he was our captain. Um, I mean, he uh, he he would know like the timing. Some people just know when to fight and. When to, you know, sometimes you don't want to give the other team a fight, you know, yep. and we both know tough guys that will give them one whenever they want. But, uh, Mally was good at that too, you know, when to, when to, when does the team need a fight? When does, you know, and anytime, anytime the team was down or if we were up all game and then somebody had, somebody just got the lead for the first time and there was only 10 minutes left, say, Sure as shit, every time Mally fight right away. Like he just knew right away every time. And sometimes you'd go, "Oh yeah, that was the greatest time to fight." Fuck, I wasn't even thinking about that, you know. But he was always on it. So uh, that's why. And and when you get a guy that's that big and tough, knows how to fight, when to fight, uh, well, and and uh, is and is mean and is mean. Good. Yeah, I mean, and is mean. Like yeah, if he has a guy in the corner, that's the thing. If you if you slashed him behind the legs or something, he's coming up ice at you, and you better be fucking ready because he's gonna. And it's so funny when you know him off the ice. When you think of his off, uh, of his personality, and then you see him, you know, just going after somebody. And uh, yeah, they would. He I, he scared the shit out of some guys. I know there were some guys that were uh, a lot of guys that wouldn't go near Mally's corner uh, when we when we played him. Uh, when I played with him in in uh, Flint, but uh, yeah, great guy and doing well coaching now too. Yep, doing well coaching. Yeah, so it's going to be fun to see where his. I don't know all these guys I played with, Nauber and Mally, and like every, all the guys I played with are becoming NHL coaches now. Yeah, Be- Benny Boudreau, he's uh, he's in the minors. I just talked to him today, actually. Um, his, well, uh, his dad Bruce, Bruce was on the Rod Peterson show. So I, I was talking, I was laughing. Your dad's on my buddy's show here. It's kind of small world. Well, but, uh, yeah. Speaking of the coaches, I mean, you played with him in Tulsa, and he's making some noise in the American League with Spencer Carberry. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, I mean, it's it's crazy, crazy to see these. Uh, I mean, see see the route everybody else has taken, especially you know myself uh, being so far removed from from the dressing room now. It's just interesting to see these guys and still in it and doing so well. You know, that's one thing. When you look back and question, like I never wanted to get into coaching, but that's one thing that you that you question because I you, you never I I never tried it. But you go, huh? I wonder what I would have been like as a coach. You know, especially when you start doing you know business and owning running your own business and stuff like that. And you get if you get uh, a team. Uh, uh, we got a we got a real good uh, crew, and uh, you know it's kind of the same thing. You're kind of coaching personalities, and this person needs to hear this, and this person needs to be motivated that way. So it's kind of like it makes you think. Oh, I wonder if 
I wonder how the the coaching route would have been uh, for hockey. And it's kind of neat to see these other guys uh, that are still in it, still rock and roll, and still. And I think sometimes I think, man, that would be so cool to still be, you know, showing up for the bus. You know, that would, how how cool would that be to still be checking in the hotel rooms on the road with all the, but a whole bunch of junior guys. You know, that would be uh, that would be kind of neat, but. Uh, yeah, that uh, that ship has sailed. So now I'll now I'll watch my I'll, I'll watch and I'll enjoy my buddy's uh, successes like Nobber and Mally and, and these guys. Absolutely. Well, one last name before I let you go, and of course he was a, a an NHL enforcing legend and uh, was uh, Darren McCarty. Darren Dmac, he was a beauty. Uh, sat right beside me in the dressing room. We ended up we got along right away. I don't know why this. One of those guys that you did, we sat beside each other uh, a lot in the back of the bus, too. He was, uh, I don't know, you just get along with some guys. And he, he uh, when he came, you know, like I said, it happened to be stuck right beside me in the corner of the room. So, but uh, he was, uh, we played a lot of video games together. I remember he, he used to call me, he used to call me the M4A1 sniper because we used to, play, <laughs> we used to play Call of Duty. And that was, he would just call me that, my nickname, because that was the guy, I remember that was the gun I always used at the time when we were playing video games. So I don't know why, it sounds stupid, <laughs> but that's what that was, that was his nickname for it. just be, hey, M4A1 Sniper. I'd be like, you can come up, like, we're on the ice. You can come up with a quicker nickname, man. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he was one of those guys, too, that, uh, like, a, a leader. I, I, I'm not sure if I saw a leader like that. I saw guys that were trying to be leaders like that. Uh, like, this is what I mean. He would show up and he'd be there. He was trying to get back to the NHL. So, you know, he'd be in the in the uh, gym 15 minutes, or sorry, he'd be in the gym an hour early, ride the bike for a half hour, 40 minutes. And then after practice, he'd be in riding for a half hour again. But he was just always in such a good mood and talking to everybody and kind of interested in what everybody was doing. And then he'd go off to the gym and then, everybody just kind of want to go to the gym with him and he never pushed anybody never, but then all of a sudden he'd be you know oh, i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that he's you know and guys would be jumping in and all of a sudden everybody's having a good time working out you know and 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 enjoying it and not not just doing it you know i've seen other guys trying to go, oh come on boys we got to do this because this and that let's go you know like and that's fine too, but he just had a different kind of way of leading where everybody just kind of wanted to do what he did. And it was, uh, he was great to have on the team. And of course he went up to Detroit that year and scored a few goals in the playoffs. So of course, everybody on our team could have scored goals in the NHL playoffs after that. You know how that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, everybody watched, everybody was an NHL all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> but he was, uh, what the guy some of the guys that were saying that didn't realize is we were just his first stepping stone he was just starting to get his legs under him uh before he got back so i mean but he was uh just a, and just a big dude you know he never no uh not a lot of skill uh didn't really have the best hands and uh i don't know i think he was he didn't really get a lot of points in our league either or anything but uh but just knew where to be in a good uh, big strong guy to have on the team uh, and a great dude I know he was going through some personal stuff and that cleaning himself up a bit when he came when he came to us so we never got to party with him but uh, 
I heard uh, he told us some stories uh, that I don't think he uh, I don't think he missed out on any parties in his life. Anyways, no, I think he I think he met his quota. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that that. Yeah, I was going to say that's a guy I, I haven't uh, connected with for probably so seven eight years now. I'd like to connect with him again just to see how he's doing. He's a he's he's a, he's a different guy. He's well, he's a different guy. He's and a real real good guy. Well, it's good. Like he didn't come down a big league, you guys, or anything. No, not at all. He was you know buying the boy. He came in. Like the first week, and he was all excited because he had his band grinder, and he's ta- tossing out grinder hats and grinder shirts, and oh, you guys got to come to the concert, you know, we got this new album, and he's all he was excited about that, and then he's, I don't know, he's just like uh, excited about. It was almost like having a big kid around the room, you know, like just but excited about everything and into always into something fun, and and uh, just a great guy to have around, good a good good guy that that can lead everybody you know that's uh it was it was it was good to good to meet him well there you go there's the uh the the profession the 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 journey of jared dumba um yeah man that was uh like i said that was those are some great stories and uh and i really appreciate it but uh well like you said you did that you were the you did some uh color commentary with the regina pats for how long did you do it for 10 years yeah, uh, ten years. Uh, yeah, on the radio and the uh, did uh, for access and SaskTel stuff like that for the for the TV games and then uh, yeah, we did uh, did it up till last year and then uh, just got too busy with my my new my new venture growing growing plants. So uh, yeah, I didn't uh, didn't know. I sadly kind of had to give it up, but. Uh, still listen I, I i i'm a listener i grew up listening to games on the farm so where i grew up in dysart so i just i like to i i still like to listen to the games now uh, well i know you briefly you've we've talked about it throughout the throughout the interview here but and you kind of mentioned it but uh just in your yeah. 10 years as as watching the at the regina i mean you've seen a lot of changes in the western hockey league at that time what, what are some of the biggest oh. changes that you've seen well comparing back to when you were in the league Oh well, I mean, obviously the tough guys number one. Um, that like that type of stuff. Uh, I have lately start uh, the speed is really starting to uh, really starting to jump out. Like I remember when I came, the it was you didn't really notice anything. Almost when I came home, it almost looked slow, right? Because you're going from pro, and then you're sitting up in the stands you know and you're way up high doing color from the rafters right so it almost looked a little bit slow um then over about over a few year period it started to look a little faster and now it's just been the last couple of years where you can really really notice the speed and it's almost like the kids are getting a little bigger now like they're they're not you know it's not the big like we used to have big big men you know, filled out, beefy, muscles everywhere, working out like they're going, working out as if we were going to the beach all summer, you know, doing those workouts. These guys are different. These guys are big kids. You get beside them, and some of them are just like that little bigger size of human, you know, a little bit taller, wide shoulders, real thick. You're starting to see more uh, thick, thicker kids, thicker, taller kids, it seems, the last couple of years. And but just on the ice, it's that speed. I don't know. I get down on the ice now, 
and I watch how fast these guys are going, and I I see how you know how big they look now, and I'm going, holy man, this is uh, this is uh, a little. It seems like a little different game than when we were playing when we played. You know, it was more of a it was more of a chess match, and now since McDavid came into the league, it's more of a sprint. You know, it's it's. Uh, I don't know. It seems to. I like the, my favorite era to watch is like '86 through '94, probably. You go watch those old games and just watch the chess match. You know that 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 goes on with the hook and the holding and everything like that. But uh, but now now it's all speed. The same. But that was, that's what I would say. Uh, that's what I'd say. The biggest change is especially. Just these last couple of years in the Western League is just seeing how fast. I don't know if these guys are training more or what the hell it is, but uh, skates got better or something that I don't know about. What's going on? <laughs> well, I think, I think everything got better on us. Yeah, the equipment, the training, yeah. and uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, a little bit, of, a little bit of all. Well, it's evolution, right? I mean, it's uh, you know, and like you said, the yeah. the rules are different and, the, and everything, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, but we, but we, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think you got, to, I think you got to play through the best era anyway. Oh man, and all those names, like all these guys, appreciate this tonight. I mean, even half. There's lots of these guys that I, you know, you play with so many guys, you you forget. And uh, some of the guys you're listing off here is uh, kind of nice. Uh, just a little trip through memory lane of all the tough guys. I know it's an enforcer podcast. I wasn't an enforcer, but uh, hope I gave a, a little bit of a, a look from that era, from uh, from uh, my point of view, anyways, of uh, what the what the enforcers brought and what they meant to the game. I think that's what, and that's why this podcast is just so great. Listening to stories from Brookbank and Cefalo and. I mean, all these, everybody, all these tough guys, it just reminds you, it reminds me of that era. Every time I listen to your podcast, I mean, I hear a name, of, you know, you you know, you hear names, you know, every time. And it just kind of reminds you of that, the game that you fell in love with, right? Like, I yep. like this game. This is a good game. I don't love it. But that that was the game that I loved, that that battle where, you know, the, where the men were men. Yeah, the battle and the and the grind and the you know the I like the hooking and the holding. I love that. I love that shit. But you know, a lot of people say that to me today. If you know, wouldn't you like to? If they take fighting out of hockey, well, you're so skilled. Wouldn't you like to go and you know, you just be free and you do? No, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think you're free at all. I think you're you got to keep your head your head up way more today than you did back then because back then if i had my head down right up my ass going up center ice fast as i could uh and the toughest guy and and a, and a guy on the other team could take me out if wade brookbank was on the ice or marco cefalo was sitting on the bench looking at them there's a good chance they weren't going to do that today's game what's to stop them they're going to sit in the penalty box maybe well, there's you know, no, yeah, there's no, it's, it's there's no consequences thing. anymore. Yeah, it's a funny thing when you know you got to go fight, uh, you know, Jeff Nabseth after Brandon Fleener, uh, even you know Ken Boone. You, if you know you got to go fight one of these guys after, it's funny how 
you, you kind of police yourself a little bit more. And that's the, you know, from my point of view, I know because I was one of those guys that wasn't, uh, that wasn't the tough guy. So I know when, uh, I know what it did to me when, when, uh, when one of those guys would be on the ice and I was against them, you know, you, you go, okay, well, got to smarten up a little bit here, but it just kept the whole game under control. So, but, uh, yeah, appreciate the, uh, appreciate the, uh, the walkthrough, uh, memory lane with a lot of these tough guys it was, uh, it was good man no it was great and i appreciate it and it was good and like you said it was uh it was nice to get a perspective um from a first line player and uh, like you said you see uh see all these new the new age fans they love to and the media guys love to yap there on on social media and it, it drives me nuts so it was nice to oh. to go into the locker room and go into the bench with a you know because i i mean i can give the voice to the the fourth line guys and have them on the show but you know when a first line guy comes on the show and and says what what they brought to the game um that validates the whole thing because you were there so i mean you have the knowledge yeah. that none of these people complaining about do dude it, it when i see some of this stuff that these guys are saying about removing fighting and the blood the gore and the blood i want them to go and see the gore and the blood when somebody's laying in the back room with a concussion because there was nobody to keep somebody in check or when they go in the operating room and watch when they're cutting the guy's knee open and see what it looks like inside after somebody after brad marchand and other guys like him are allowed to go do what they do you know if you if you're worried about blood and guts and gore and and violence and you know, worry about that stuff. You need the tough guys back in the game, so it's just black eye violence instead of broken knee, career-ending violence. Exactly. Yeah, there needs to be some consequences put back in. But uh, yep. I'm with you. But well, this definitely won't be your. I uh, hopefully not your last uh, appearance on this show because I mean I have a list of a thousand more names and stories that I can get from you. I'm sure. So I hopefully this isn't Let's the last do it, time. Brother. Absolutely. No, anytime. Like I said, anytime, man. You need me, I'm here. I appreciate that. All right, Jared, I'll let you go. But uh, thank you once again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, brother. Have a have a great one. We'll chat soon. Absolutely. Take it easy. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 